Welcome to Inside Security, episode number three. Um, this week I have with me my colleague on stream. Um, we're going to talk about uh, security operation centers, or SOC, as we'll call it from now on. So we're going to talk about what a SOC is, what we do at work, like the challenges we face, like everything about a SOC. Uh, and as always, like this is Twitch, and we're supposed to be like Twitch is interactive, right? So please ask questions in the chat as we go along. Like don't wait until the end, and we'll bring up your questions as we go along. So right, David, welcome to Hi. the show. Thank you so much. So uh, I forgot Fun to be here. Yeah, awesome. It's so good to have you. It's gonna be it's gonna be epic, as we said on Twitter. <laughs> so. Well, it's uh, it's, it's nice to put the bar somewhere. So yeah, epic is a good level. Epic is yeah. epic is the, the, the target. Let's aim we... for epic. Exactly. Yeah. So Super. last week I actually forgot to ask my guest to introduce himself. So I'm not going to do the same <laughs> mistake twice. So please <laughs> go ahead. Like, please introduce introduce yourself and what do you do and who are you? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, my name is David Lelia. Uh, I've been I'm working as a SOC level three analyst. Uh, I guess we get into that later. Uh, I've been with, I've been I've been with Trusic for two and a half years. Before that, I did seven years at H and M. Um, I started by developing their global technical security platform um, when it comes to firewalls and proxies and whatever typical security stuff you have. Um, after a couple of years, I took over the CSIRT department, um, which is basically the uh, cyber incident response team inside uh, the company within within the company. Um, so I, I was there for seven years. Before that, I was a network and security technician at a company called Poinsys, and we did a PCI DSS approved payment service provider. Uh, we were among the first in Sweden to actually go for retail, um, which was pretty cool. So uh, that's basically the my past 10, 15 years of working. Uh, prior to that, I've been a programmer in e-commerce. I've been a programmer towards the medical industry. Uh, I've actually had applications approved by the FDA in the USA. So I've dipped my toes in pretty much anything when it comes to computers. Uh, I started my career by installing Windows operating systems and Word and Excel and showed doctors and uh, their secretaries how to use them at a hospital. And I was patching network cables uh, and stuff like that. So. I started from the beginning and worked my way here. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's uh, it's fair to say you're, you're not a beginner to incident response and SOC and no, security I've in been, general. No, I've been working with, well, I've been working with IT security for at least 10 years. Um, and I've been working in IT for at least 22, 23, 24 something years. Uh, I lost count a bit. Uh, you do that when you get older or you don't want to admit how old you are and yeah. say 20 plus. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we've been working together not too long, like six months, oh. something since September yeah. last year. So um, it's, it's been awesome so far. Um, <laughs> it's been hectic. We've got, we've been doing stuff. <laughs> it's been hectic. And maybe we'll sort of touch upon uh, some news this week, just uh, because there's been some, developments in the security sphere, to yeah. say the least. Um, but yeah, so we work together in the SOC yeah. um, as level three analysts or and, and slash or threat hunters, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh -huh. We're also doing like being involved in incident response, like when we get incidents yeah. and stuff, and we'll 
probably touch on that as well as we go. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, it's a pretty interesting area, at least. So yeah, yeah. So let's, let's dive in. Yeah? Let's start with some set the set the stage basically. Uh, like what's what is a sock? So a sock is yeah, a security I'll... operation center and. Exactly, but that's just a name. Exactly. Uh, because I've, I've been thinking about this quite a, for quite a bit. Um, and I wanted to draw a parallel, actually, to a space mission. Because if you're going to land a rocket on the moon, you need a mission control. But what's a mission control? It's just a room. Uh, so the thing with a sock is what you fill the room with. Well, it's just like a space mission. So you fill it with people that know stuff. You want people to make sure the rocket doesn't explode when it takes off. It shouldn't explode when it lands. It shouldn't explode on the way to the moon. Um, so you put people there who knows how to make a rocket not explode, basically. So when it comes to a SOC, you put people there who knows how to handle certain types of incidents. You put people there who knows what should be protected in a company network and what to think about to make the life at the company that you are protecting uh, worthwhile. It's, should be They should be able to do what they are good at. Um, I know a lot of companies have their own internal SOC and I might have... Issues is a strong word, but I might <laughs> not recommend it uh, because it's going to be rather boring and dull for them. Uh, I guess they might be able to handle an incident or two incidents a year, a maximum, uh, of the really fun exciting types of incidents. Um, otherwise, they're just going to acknowledge alerts um, that perhaps doesn't mean anything, really. Mm -hmm. um, so when you kind of outsource the SOC, you will outsource it to a company who has a lot of experience. Um, and with that, they are working with several companies. So the level one analyst and the level two and the level three like michael and me um we are going to do so many incidents and we are always going to be on our toes and know how to handle stuff when shit hits the fan um so yeah what's the sock it's a room that's what it is uh, and then you need to decide on your mission with the sock um the mission michael and i has is to uh, detect and minimize the impacts of a cyber cyber attack in a cyber incident, basically. So that's what that's a sock to me. It's, it's just a room filled with people. It's like that old airplane movie. Do you remember it? We need to get this man to a hospital. A hospital? What is it? It's a big building with a lot of people in it, but that's not important right now. So, <laughs> so, so I mean, it's a sock. It's just a, it's just a room or a building with a lot yeah. of people in it uh, who know, that knows what they're supposed to do. Um, they know their stuff. They know their shit. So. That's a suck. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And like, we usually don't really say that. I'm not really sure how we phrase it, but we're not just a suck. We're like detect, detect and response kind of. A detect and disarm. Detect and disarm are the words we're sorry. using. Yeah. No, it's okay. I should know um, that, right? Yeah, you should. <laughs> oh, it's only six months. Okay, I've, I've been here two and a half years, so I'm you. I'm the old guy. Yeah. I'm the gray-haired <laughs> old guy. No, uh, two and a half years is pretty new, actually, on the company as well, but. Yeah. Uh, no, we call it detect and disarm um, because we we take pride in detecting it as fast as we can and actually disarming the attack, disarming uh, whatever malware or that comes in um, to make a minimal impact for the user that are working there. Um, so yeah. So we're like obviously we're disarming and detecting stuff, 
but like how do we detect it so yeah. and what is it <laughs> yeah and like just to sort of again set the, the ground rules or stage basically so we're an edr sock so yeah. we monitor and and act on edrs uh which and we use carbon black crowdstrike and microsoft defender for endpoints yeah and edr is endpoint detection and remediation a yes. response sorry detection and response yeah uh, i always get that all wrong sorry man. yeah I, because because we are remediating with the tool that we have yep. but responding is i guess good word as well but edr is endpoint detection and response maybe it should um, be edrr like edrr yeah it might be a better <laughs> word look for at it. the edr <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's that's the the tools that we look at basically um yeah. and, and I, yeah, go ahead. And yeah, but if we, if we talk a bit about those tools, I mean, you could take them out of the box and you can put them there and some of them won't do anything. Uh, some of them will do a little bit and some of them will do a lot, depending on what tool you choose and how you use it, basically. But a couple of EDRs um, gives you kind of a good protection, but it doesn't really give you the chance to customize it. So if you run into a security blog where some researchers have said that, oh, this IP is very malicious, or this type of string that we found in this type of attack for um, if you check your web proxy logs or uh, web application firewall logs, um, check for this. And you can't really add that to certain types of EDRs. So you will miss a bit and you will hope that the vendor for the EDR will give you the protection you need and you can check it every Friday afternoon to see that the check light is green and then you can go home. Um, but the EDRs that we choose to work with um, gives you a lot of customization. Um, one of them actually doesn't give you shit until you put stuff into it. It will just sit there uh, and no alerts will come. Uh, so if you choose that one and use it wrong, um, it's not going to give you anything unless it's going to it's going to give you a big hole in your budget, but it's not going to give you anything else. Um, so we take a bit of pride in actually finding a lot of vulnerabilities and bad stuff on the internet. And when it comes to that, um, the company that we work for, we are doing a huge amount of incident response engagement every year. Um, and we take every finding from those engagements and we put them into detections and watch lists and whatever they're called in different uh, types of products. And we put them we put them there. So we protect all our customers from all the incidents, basically, that we are working with. So it's, I would say it's some sort of herd immunity if we get enough customers. <laughs> um, but it, that's probably not going to work like that. And it was, it's a stupid wording as well. But um, the more incidents we handle, the better protection will our customers have. Um, yeah, because that's that's pretty awesome. So like we could have a an incident, and when we when what we mean when we say an incident is that a company has been breached or compromised in in some way, uh, and then they contact uh, Trusic and they need a bunch of people to jump on it and do incident response and forensics and all that stuff. So that's what we mean when we say an incident. It's like yeah, it's like a week long stuff. engagement. Usually. Stuff is burning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like um, uh, some company has been completely ransomware. Everything is yeah. just just down. Like the whole business is down. Yeah, you're thinking about if they are about to toss in the towel and say, "Yeah, let's go bankruptcy. Um, let's call it an end and let's stop doing whatever we're doing." Um, but so far, we've managed to save those 
we've helped. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's yeah. what we mean when we say an incident. And like the results from those incidents then gets um, like uh, what do you well, call it? Like exfil like exfiltrated all the then the good stuff, all the IOCs <laughs> and stuff that we can detect yeah. on, and behavior and, and everything. Yeah. And so. What, uh, yeah, let's let's just say that IOC is an indicator of compromise, and it, it can be a malicious URL, it can be an IP address, it can be a pattern, it can be a hash of an exe file, it can be anything that you can attribute to the attack, basically. So, yeah, um, worth mentioning, I guess. That's 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 uh, awesome. <laughs> no, so that's that's really good. So, we, like, we take yep. that and, and then we we just put it back into our EDR tools. Yeah. Um, so, like, we could we could have an incident um, this week. Um, that is maybe we can see something new, something new behavior. And then we just have it in our own detection tools like a few days after or the, yeah, same, exactly. or the same day. Yeah. Um, so The same day if it's really bad and we feel like working a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. Uh, yeah, I, for example, the uh, when Microsoft release a patch and a vulner patching a vulnerability like they did two, day two days ago, um, it means a lot of work for a level three analyst at a SOC. Um, yeah. Because you take all those blog posts and you compile them into IOCs. Um, you extract all the hashes and all the IP addresses and all the patterns, folder paths, and what you should look for. Um, and you make a rule out of it and you squeeze it into the tool and push it out to all the customers. Um, yeah. And basically what you say is if this, if this happens in this environment, like we need an yeah. alarm. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> please, please just flare an alarm at us. Exactly. Uh, so, but that's a, but that's the fun part because if we don't do it, we will not get an alarm, and the the uh, organization that we are supposed to be protecting uh, will be hacked. Yeah, I was just so, about to ask you that. Ah, so now, okay. now we sort of uh, <laughs> talked about what a sock is. So why should you have a sock? Why shouldn't you just um, do it yourself? Why, like, should you have an, a man sock or should you run it by yourself? Or isn't it enough with just an AV? Okay. Uh, no, it's not, uh, and. That one is pretty easy to explain, I guess, because an AV is capturing files known to be malicious. It will capture that suspicious FileZilla download that also contains a potentially unwanted application or commercial or commercial redirection software or whatever that might come with the download and installation. The AV, the AV will take will take uh, will take care of that, um, but. Um, an EDR does so much more because during it during an attack, and I know this is this is your side of the table, Michael. But an attacker can use tools already inside the computer. Uh, sometimes you don't have to download stuff; you can use stuff that's already there, that's already signed by Microsoft. So if an attacker starts the command prompt and pings an IP address, is that malicious? It's probably just someone, some network technician trying to find a printer in a room far, far away, right? Yep. Uh, but if the address is on the internet, is it still bad? No, it's probably someone pinging uh, ntp.kth.se, which is one of the best uh, NTP servers in Sweden. Um, so it can still be a, a good thing, but it can be malicious. And the thing with an EDR is that you can actually detect just that. Um, you can detect someone using valid signed tools um, but they use them in a different way. Um, so I'm going to steal this one from you, Michael, but th this is actually Michael's stuff. So if an attacker runs, who am I on a computer? It, the, the problem having that computer is 
the person is probably senile, like me, old, 40 plus years, because I have no idea who I am on this computer. So I type, who am I to know? Oh, I'm David. Oh, jeez, good thinking. Um, so what I mean is that that command can be malicious. That's, that command isn't malicious. It's not going to be um, the AV is not going to raise an alert saying, oh, someone is typing, who am I? Because a network technician or a systems administrator might use that to see, am I root? Am I admin on this machine? Or am I still in user context? Can I do my stuff? Or do I need to elevate? So that's why they ran, run the command. But if they run the command, who am I? And then run something else like IP, con uh, IP config or a different netcat, um, whatever and then ping and they do it in a certain way with a certain delay between the commands you can actually know that this stuff is malicious and that's where the edr come in because you can find those patterns using an edr but the av is completely screwed when it comes to it but it's it's also not meant to be like that the av is not designed to do it the av is designed to protect the attacker on a machine downloading malicious software and stuff and the EDR is made to detect those patterns, oh, basically. Yeah. That wasn't the short, short version. <laughs> I mean, it's super. Not, I mean, we have we have it. time, so just <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, and I'm I'm just going to quote uh, an awesome colleague of ours uh, about this topic when we're talking about if if there's a user uh, that runs who am I IP config netstat uh, ARP. Uh, like that is probably strange because <laughs> like he said it, if you don't know who you are or where you are, it's probably malicious. Yeah. Yeah. I've stolen uh, it, that it, quote. It's, it's, an, it's an awesome quote and it's by Rasmus. Yes. Uh, but it, it's an awesome quote. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved it. I, I just stole it right away. Like, yep. Yeah. Written that one down. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. I'm going to steal it from now on. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's awesome. If you don't know who you are or where you are, you're probably a bad guy. You're doing yeah. something malicious. Yeah, it's yeah. a good one. It's, it's a good one. And it's it's, it's so true. Yep. Um, and so naturally, like our sock and like other socks as well, like we, we're not talking about our sock only. We're talking about socks no. in general here. Yeah. Uh, and like ma a managed sock is a 24-7, like 365 sock. And like that's the, that's one of the biggest values that I see because it can be, like an attack can be fast. Um, oh, yeah. And like if if you have if you have your own sock and that guy leaves at at five pm and then comes back at eight the next morning, I mean that's that's a long time. We've seen yeah, or right leaves there. for the weekend, or yeah. I mean, the, that person can leave for a Swedish fika for a cinnamon bun and a coffee at quarter past three on a Friday and come back like quarter to four. That's thirty minutes, and that's all it takes to for some for an attacker to actually be domain admin. Yeah. Uh, so yep. Because we've seen instances, uh, and like yeah. it's of course not like uh, an existing SOC customer, but uh, which came in as, as instant customers, that it went from the phishing mail entering the, in the inbox to the main admin within 30 minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's how fast it can go. So, yep. um, like, it can happen during your lunch break, basically. Yeah, it can. So, I mean, that's that by itself is the value of a 24 7 SOC. Exactly. And hoping not. Hoping that not everybody in the sock goes for lunch at the same time, because yeah. they like they like the company and like to hang around cool people. <laughs> uh, so of course they they take lunch and shifts and so on. So yeah, a sock is a room filled with smart people, good tools, um, and they are monitoring the systems every second of the day and every day of the year. Yeah, and, and something else that I've that I've mentioned not on here but like in, in general 
is that because I'm really impressed with our level one analysts because they oh, sit yeah. and like they manage alarms day in and day out like thousands and thousands and thousands of alarms so yeah. they get this I mean they get this feel for when something is like strange or, or, or not yeah. and there's been there's been cases where they've like asked me to like hey can you can you look into this tis alarm and like initially I couldn't see anything like obviously bad I'm like, yeah, not sure that it's just any specific reason you ask. And they're like, it feels wrong. Yeah. And like when they say it feels wrong, I'm like, yep, okay, let's dig into this. Uh, and, you know, it's, it, there's been like real stuff at, at times. So that's, that's also awesome. Like that's the... Yeah, 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 that's, a, yeah that's super awesome. And I'm actually really p- proud of everybody in the SOC yeah. um, working for us. So yeah, kudos to them, definitely. Um, so what are like what are, what are some form of alarms or attacks that we can see and sort of catch in, in the SOC? Do you have any examples or like in general? You, yeah, I guess one of the one of the things that you will see if you sit in the SOC and work in one of those shifts, um, you will see what we call uh, PUA, potentially unwanted applications. Um, those can be nifty little programs that that has been bundled with another program. Uh, I love to bash on Filezilla because it's a really good tool, but it comes with a lot of shit if you get it from the wrong place. So if you download that and try to install it, the AV will probably capture it, uh, well, nag it, snag it, and say, hey, don't do this, or this is malicious, and it will raise an alert. Um, but one of those, there are other things you can download as well, of course, um, but potentially unwanted applications. Um, I'd say that's, I think that's one of the most common things and people clicking phishing links. Um, hopefully the EDR will catch it at an early state, but if it if it's a spear phishing attack, so the difference with phishing and spear phishing, if we're gonna go into that is spear phishing mm-hmm. is someone who's actually aiming at you. Um, phishing is just, throwing the net out, net out and see what it catches. But spear phishing is someone aiming directly at you. Uh, they are meant to hit you and they really want to get in. Um, so if they spear fish you and you click the link and you get to one of those Microsoft Office portal login pages, you type your credentials, you hit enter, the page reloads. So you type and just type it again and then it reloads and actually sends you to the real office page where you have to type it the third time, then you're owned. Then the bad guys or the threat actor, they have your credentials and they will use them to log on. Um, so th- those are probably quite common as well, I would say. Uh, the broader ones, the normal phishing pages. Um, I know a lot of companies that are pretty quick by uh, labeling them as bad. Um, so if you have a web proxy, you will get like an update like super often with more and more pages coming in all the time. So for you, and I know the browser vendors also have this sort of filter where it, where you can say this site is not uh, trusted, this site is known bad. Um, so you can trust that a bit, um, but you will see those alerts. Uh, they will come in, they will be quite boring to handle because they can potentially lead to something really bad, but you will catch them at this such an early state if you have an EDR and have the MANSOC. So they're probably boring to work with, but imagine that they are actually turning into a ransomware attack. Then they could be more fun to 
that's more fun to know when you kill them at an early stage that I just nailed this threat actor before it turned into a ransomware attack. Um, so I think that's pretty common as well. Um, some things, yeah, well, malware, um, just bundled malware, I guess, when someone surfed to the wrong site or download. What they think is a key generator for Adobe because their finance department said, no, you can't have this application but I need to do my work. So they download a key gen and they install it anyway. Uh, you will see those, I guess. Um, you will see the average person on a Friday evening downloading a movie for the weekend. Um, depending on the industry that you are monitoring, you will see uh, links to unsolicited material. <laughs> Let's put it like that. Not safe for work links. Uh, you will see those links. Uh, they will appear in the logs. Um, yeah. What more do we have? We have... So well, I, have, I have a public public service announcement. Don't yeah, download okay. don't download keygens. <laughs> no, don't download keygens. No, yeah, t- seriously, don't do it. Uh, buy the legit stuff. Um, it might cost you like thousand US dollars to buy that application, but it's pretty cheap if you compare it to a thirty million dollar ransomware attack. That could actually be the potential or the uh, the outcome of you downloading this keygen. Um, yeah, it's worth thinking about, at least. Um, yeah. uh, then we have the other types. I mean, you will see a lot of different types of attacks when it, if you're working as uh, as some sort of analyst in a SOC. Um, so I, I'm not sure how much we should go into every type of attack, but it's, you will see a lot. Uh, some Absolutely. are more common, some are not. Like we don't, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we don't really see much like ransomware live on system. But it's basically because we stopped them at an early stage. Not not we as in you and I, but an EDR in general, uh, like a well-configured EDR in block mode, will we'll actually yeah. stop it like before it actually yeah. uh, like triggers that bad, like a ransomware. But then, that's true. And then there's a, like there's another topic that I find interesting, which is hard to explain, I think, to people mm-hmm. not in security or in like SOC stuff, and that's like. And I think I speak for most people here, but like the res- the, the fun part of this and like the the interesting alarms are the bad ones, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> most definitely. <laughs> you literally, you like we. The reason we do this is because <clears throat> we do not want companies to be hacked. Like that's no, that no. that's it. But yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting when it happens. Um, and it sounds like a like a paradox, but I I sort of. Uh, compared to like a firefighter i mean of course you had a the pyromaniacs but, but like in general firefighters don't want buildings to burn down with like people in them like i'm fairly sure that 99.99 percent of firefighters are like this but when the alarm hits and like they have to like go out on uh on an actual like uh, yeah like fire like yeah. that's that's exciting for them i suppose like that's the reason they do this that's yeah. that's the adrenaline kick and everything so yeah it's, yeah, let, let's let's yeah. hope saving lives is the thing they have on their mind when they go. Yeah, uh, and it's sort of not, sort of the same here. I mean, we're not talking about lives yes. in that in that uh, like matter of fact, no. but like we don't want bad stuff to happen. But when it happens, it's quite fun to to investigate. So uh. it is, um, and it's. I mean, it it's hard to admit it because when it happens it's something bad and someone is bleeding money. Um, someone is, uh, someone's production is standing still. 
um, workers might need to go home. Um, maybe they'll have their salary cut because they can't perform their tasks. Um, so it's it's really part of me is like this is really bad. I never hope anything yeah. happens actually. Um, but the other part of me that actually made me choose this job is like let's hope something happens so we can can do something. But the the thing is. The most fun is when we actually can, in an early stage, protect a company, so they're so so they won't go bar- back bankrupt. Um, so they still can keep their jobs, so they still can earn their money, pay for their food, pay the mortgages on the house, and keep the car and all that. Um, that is basically what we're telling ourselves that we are doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and like of of course, I sort of tried to explain like of course we work. I work as a as a very technical job, but uh, like to me, I work with people. Like I'm working for the people, for the end user, so they don't get hit and they don't get like their company doesn't go bankrupt, as you say, and they don't get fired. Yeah. Like that's the reason I do this. Um, um, so gotta... I'm looking at I'm looking at the chat actually, and Darudi has a good co- uh, good comment and say that the SOG can actually save lives. Just think of the attacks on hospitals infrastructure. Um, and we we've seen the NHS being under serious pressure a couple of years ago, and we had a ransomware attack in Germany where uh, a person actually lost their lost his life uh, due to some medication things uh, standing still. So it absolutely, absolutely, so can save lives um, if you're protecting and working for a, uh, a hospital. Um, so yeah, yeah. Just imagine like a, a completely ransomware hospital. Like that's. In COVID yeah, times and then like just, NHS a few years ago. Yeah, it's, uh, so it's it's bad. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, so Astron in chat said I downloaded a cracked Photoshop a couple of weeks ago and installed it on a sandbox <laughs> Win 10 just to see what it did and wow. Okay, uh, okay, I love the ending just to see what it did um, because yeah. if you stop if you stop reading that comment uh, before it's completely done, <laughs> uh, it's just bad. It's just super bad. Um, uh, and wow, yeah, yeah. So there you go then. Um, yeah. You know what it did? Uh, it's a good thing to test it in a sandbox uh, machine. Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm paying for it, so that's okay. We don't, we don't, yeah. we don't judge. It's okay. Yeah, then it's research, uh, and exactly. research is legit. So yeah, what you should do is you should uh, write down what it did. It doesn't have to be super technical. Um, write down what it did. Do some screenshots of uh, I don't know TCP dump or whatever if it tries to call home. Um, if it changes some register keys or I don't know uh, the things you can find write it down put it in a blog post and publish it and that will be your start on a security career Uh, and the thing is sometimes I actually get scared of publishing stuff or writing stuff because the things I read are most of the times so damn technical and so damn low level that I feel like what the frig am i doing in this in industry i know nothing uh so but i think we actually we need more people that writes easier blog posts that writes the uh just scratch on the surface yeah like like a keygen so i downloaded this keygen it alters this reg key for persistence and it contacts this c2 domain so if you install this and run it it will actually be pinging home and the attacker will come to get your machine um so you might end up around somewhere i mean that's a blog post it, it can be a half a page uh some screenshots some comments uh, 
we yeah. should have more of that. So I encourage you, Astron85, do it. Yeah, we we t- touched upon that. Like I think the previous episode uh, when when you weren't here, but like how to sort of get into security. And I said that one of one of the things you can do is because that was more of on the offensive side, and we we're like oh, we do hack the box and do write ups, and you can just translate it to the blue team like we are. Uh, and like you can do things like this if you're not working in security already. Like that's a good way to to like gain a portfolio of, of some sort. Yeah. Like do stuff like this. Write it up. It doesn't have to be super complicated. Maybe it shouldn't be super complicated. And then like when you apply for a job and they're like, oh, so do you have a GitHub or something that we can look at? Like, yeah, well, I have this this blog or I have this this GitHub repo with like all my investigations. Yeah, you're, like you're, I, you're really. I'd hired. like to learn. Yeah, and I'd like to learn more. And I'd like to, as you can see, I'm. I know how to write stuff, but I want to write longer stuff, and I want want to write more stuff. So I want to learn to keep doing this. Um, so it doesn't have to be like super professional in a, to start with. But uh, yeah, so yeah, or, or maybe Astron is like a super senior yeah, mega researcher. Probably, like we have no idea. Prob- Russian spy hacker, whatever. He's here to just profile us. So yeah, awesome. Welcome, welcome, Astron. <laughs> Uh, I hope my lights won't blink. Then I know he's here. <laughs> so, um, or she? Sorry or she? for, sorry for in thinking you're a guy. Yeah. Um, but about socks, let's go back to socks. Uh, there's different kind of socks, right? We are an EDR sock, as we said. Yeah. Uh, and I'd say that, uh, like, it's the minority <laughs> of socks are EDR socks. I think so. And yeah. The majority are CM socks. Or sim yeah. socks. I'm not sure how sim to socks. Sim socks. I, I think you pronounce it sim if you're. I think it's pronounced sim in English or American. Uh, yeah, in Sweden we say cm. <laughs> yeah. Pronounce the e. Yeah. Sim. Um, so what's the difference between a sim sock and an EDR sock? Like very briefly, you don't have to go too detailed. If you don't want to, if you go, if you do, please do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I hope I hope the audience brought popcorn and some <laughs> soda pop because this is going to be a wild ride. Um, is this going to be a rant or an explanation? I have no idea. I haven't okay. prepared anything. Let's see. Uh, so it's going to be spontaneous, just <laughs> from the it. top of my mind. Um, I have issues with socks selling selling sock as a service, and all they do is fire up a sim that's what they do and then they say you need to send your logs to this instance send them here and it's like okay well what are you going to detect Mm -hmm. because we touched on that in the beginning um the mission for a sock is to detect and i know that there are sims they are very proud of what they do and they have detection capabilities and I don't trust them and the thing is I've been working with Splunk for seven years not at Splunk but I've been working with the product for seven years I'm fairly confident to say that I know what it does and what it can't do and it can't do detection and yeah. if there is a Splunk salesperson in this chat right now, they're going to have their water, Coke, coffee, beer, wine in their throat, spitting it all over the kitchen table and saying, what? And yes, you have enterprise security as an add-on. It will cost you a shitload of money. Um, it's horrendously expensive. And it can do detection. But if 
I attack a company and I poke around a bit and I see that they have a Splunk instance, I'm going to disable one of the log sources that I know goes to the Splunk. Um, and your detection is gone out, out the window, across the rooftops and away, to quote Duran Duran. Um, you will lose everything. And the thing is, an EDR will catch that threat actor before they can go into the environment and disable the log source. I know people will say that the sim will do the same, but I'm very confident that it can't. It's a sales pitch that won't fly. Uh, I've been poking holes in it for years now, uh, which is super fun. Um, and the main argument is that for this sim to work, you need to log everything there and you will need it's such a fragile system because for it to parse the logs, it, the timestamps needs to be fully correct. And I know sometimes a Windows machine can have some hiccups. And if you've checked the logs on a Windows machine that sometimes have hiccups, you will see a flood of Kerberos tickets alarms saying that it can't log in, it can't log in, it can't log in, it can't log in. And it's just page up, page down with stuff. Uh, and that will that will set off stuff in the sim and at the same time it will won't make it actually through that alert and alarm and what made me very happy actually um a couple of days ago or a week ago i don't remember don't remember when it was was that i was actually reading up on uh, what sans has to say about security operations and how to protect your environment and if you just look at the uh, table of contents, it says it says sim, and I was like, oh my god, please no, Sans, you're supposed to be like the brainiacs of cybersecurity. You're supposed to know this stuff. Don't make me write an angry letter to you, <laughs> because I'm the old, old the uh, with guy. a yeah, the grumpy guy with a cane writing angry letters to people. Um, so I scrolled down, and it basically said that what you should what you should feed your sim with. Uh, is EDR logs. And I was like, ah, you got this. Nice. Because that, uh, if we back up to why do why should we have an EDR? Why should we not just have an AV? Well, we should have an AV because it does stuff. And we should have the EDR because it does other stuff. And we should have a SIM because it also does, does different stuff from the EDR and the AV. I mean, you're not changing, you're not taking away the AV because you have a SIM. And you shouldn't take away the EDR because you have a SIM because they're not the same. They're, they're super good at doing different things. When we come into a incident so are, response are engagement, you, wait, yeah? Are you saying, I'm that, almost, I'm are almost you saying done. that tools has different use, uses? Different oh, tools? yeah. I mean, if you, if you take a screwdriver and hit the nail really hard, it works as a hammer. But I may, you can make it more efficient if you use a hammer. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, monkey see, monkey wrench, monkey hit, monkey do. I don't know. <laughs> um, but what I'm what I'm getting at, if when we are getting into an incident response engagement and the customer says, uh, "Well, here's your login to the system. There's login to this and that system. Here's the login to our sim." Um, that will make us super happy because hopefully we will find everything we need to. Um, well, take care of the incident by just searching through those logs. A sim 
you should have a sim. I'm not here saying you should toss your sim out the window because it's expensive as fuck and doesn't give you anything. It does give you a lot of stuff, but you need to know what it gives you. It doesn't give you EDR functionality. It will never, it will never do, but you should have your EDR logging to the sim. You should have your AV logging to your sim. You should have your proxy logging to the sim. The DNS logs, oh my God, for God's sake, log your DNS to the sim. Together with the PowerShell, uh, events uh, logging in every bloody Windows computer. Just push everything uh, to the sim. The more the merrier um, because it's such a vital place to do correlation and do investigations uh, when you come in to handle an incident response engagement. So for God's sake, have a sim, but don't take away the EDR because you have a sim. That's what I'm saying. Uh, it, yeah. That was a rant, wasn't it? It was a rant. It was a grumpy old guy. That's a good rant. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so I mean, it's like different tools has different use cases. Um, Like you don't, in my my opinion, you don't use a SIM as a SOC and you don't use an EDR for for logging purposes, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's um, like one of the shortcomings of an EDR is that it usually only goes back like 30, 30 days. So if you yeah. need to if you need to go back like 180 days or even a year, yeah. like an EDR won't really help you. And yeah, PCIDSS PCI says uh, PSIDSS says that you need to have logs readily available for 13 months, because for in 13 months you can go back a year. You have one month to go back one year. Um, so yeah, that kind of you need to have a sim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. It sounds like we're sort of bashing on Sim and Splunk, and like I love Splunk. I am. I am bashing on them because yeah. you're using them. I, I'm I using it wrong. On, <laughs> yes, I would bash on a person using a screwdriver as a hammer as well because it's just stupid. Um, so if you use the Sim solution, the, as Darudi says, there are more expensive Sims than Splunk, uh, but Splunk is kind of well known, so you can bash it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you have Curator, Arcsight, and whatever log points. Uh, tipping point or uh, I don't know there are so many um, but use it right and use it for what it's supposed to be used as <laughs> don't do don't make don't force it to make <laughs> don't you don't force it to make stuff that it's not supposed to do I mean like I, I was on a stage a year ago when I did this correlation basically um, I don't like I don't like when organizations purchase a sock and end up with the sim that's like going to the shop and saying, I want a watchdog to guard my house. And when you come home and open the box, it's a hamster. I mean, it's super cute to look at and it's fun to see watching it run around in his wheel, but it's not going to protect your house. But it's still, it's a cute animal and it's still nice to have one. Just like the sim, it's nice to have one, um, but it will not defend your house. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, end of rant. <laughs> Sorry. Good rant, I love it. Uh, I, th- I think uh, like that's that's a that's a long rant and a long explanation of the difference <laughs> between a, a sim and an EDR. We could have just stopped uh, in the chat like t- ten seconds after you started ranting with uh, Silica's explanation. One is fun, the other is logs. That's uh, true. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, that's that's uh, just it. That's, uh, that's yeah. Head head on a nail. You should be here. Why am I here? Why isn't Silica here? Yeah, uh-huh. he's he's moderating, so he's busy. Ah, okay, okay, okay. I mean, Sorry. someone yeah. has to do the hard work, right? Yeah, right. Kicking out the bad guys, even from this chat. Exactly. 
So, so if you're still here, you're not, you're good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so like in, in other words, I mean, of course we love EDRs because that's what we, we work with and we're biased. But so an yeah. EDR is not like the the be all end all for everything security related. That's what we're trying to say. Like, yeah, you sh- depending on your yeah. needs, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, if you're if you have to follow like a rule set or something, if like PC PC IDSS, uh, it pretty much states that you need to have a log uh, a log retention system. So you you probably need a zip. Um, and there are probably other rule sets that you might follow or live by uh, that basically says that you need to have a SIM. But just don't think that's an EDR. Uh, the EDR should log to the SIM. Yeah. So, I mean, this a SOC, our SOC, um, has a really, really flow between our like teams in the company, right? So we go we can get an in- incident into the company which then turns into uh, a, a SOC customer or a SOC customer can turn into an incident and, and like vice versa. So we have a really good um, uh, like trade-off between the teams. Yeah. Um, and like if we, and that's one of the reasons I'd say to, to have, for having a managed SOC because um, I think that most companies are sort of like ours if you have a managed EDR SOC. Like they have some yeah. form of incident response, I, I'd hope. I think so, yeah. So if the SOC um, like catches something and they say, oh, this is bad. I mean, it could be, well, let's, let's, say, let's say there's a, there's a web shell uploaded on, on a web server <laughs> uh, and a DDR blocks the, the web shell, it's, it gets deleted. I mean, end of story, right? Like, no, because yeah. like how, how did the web shell get there, right? Yeah, uh, and it, who put it there? Exactly, so... There's some there's some vulnerability somewhere, uh, and someone placed that web shell at that place, yeah. um, and you know that needs to be investigated because otherwise it's gonna just keep on popping back. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that's like one of the cases uh. where that could turn into an incident where the incident response team comes in and like tries to do forensics, and uh, there could be like small small stuff or like really really like week long engagements. Yeah, I, I really like the take on that um, because, as, as you say, a finding in the SOC could actually turn out to be a uh, an incident response engagement. Um, but the other way around is also true when it comes to TrueSec, where we work, because I've, I know some other companies who have incident response on their in their catalog. So you can call them up and they can come over and they will do incident response, but they will just look at that incident. They will just look at those systems. They will write the report and they will head out the door, uh, charge your shitload of money and say goodbye. And you will still, you're still not sure if, if those systems they were investigating were the only ones that actually were affected. There might be sleeper systems. There might be other things that they forget to look at. So when we come to an incident response engagement, we will actually bring the SOC with us. We will enroll this company, either if it's just temporarily for two weeks, if it's just a shorter time period. Um, We will enroll the SOC in our way. We will put all our IP into it. We will try to find everything, just like it would be any of our uh, other customers. We will treat this incident rec- response customer just like any of our other customers. Uh, the SOC will be uh, the man SOC, the level one 
analysts, they will be on their toes finding stuff. And as soon as something pops up and says ping, um, they will give us a call. They will give Michael, me, or any of our incident responders a call, phone call right away saying, we found this. Um, here's another machine. Uh, we think it's new. It might be false positive. Can you please investigate it? And a lot of times it's actually a valid alert. We haven't found all the systems during the incident response engagement. Well, at the start of the incident response engagement, we th might think it's a X number of machines. But when we enroll this company using the EDR and using the techniques that we have to find stuff, we will find more machines. So we will just add them to the list for cleaning and reinstallation and, uh, and so on. And I really like that, that trade-off uh, or that interlinked, that connectivity that we have between the departments because everything we find during this incident response, we will push back into the SOC and we will actually level up the protection for all our customers. And so as soon as we find something at our customers on a normal daily basis, we will feed that right back into uh, into the incident response team so they know what to look for next. Um, so it's, it's give and take and it's like this maintenance wheel just spinning all over and spinning really fast. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's it's really an an, an iterative process. Just <laughs> it is. It's like the definition of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll, like, unless you want to continue that, I it's something that's quite interesting. We it's sort of been a theme so far. It's only been two episodes, but like you know, let's let's keep the theme going. Because <laughs> like I'm, I love to sort of try to help out wherever I can, and yeah. I want to get more people into security. Uh, mm -hmm. And I mean, we're on the blue side here. Yeah. So I figured, and I'm putting you on the spot here, and uh, we'll, we'll do it together, but like... No, go ahead, put me on the spot. Yeah. So for someone who wants to like get into IT security, um, they want to get the first role in as a security something. Let's, in, in this case, because we're talking about SOC, the first role as a level one SOC analyst, like what do you need to know? What do you need to do? Is there any resource they should like read or look at or try um or just just uh do you have any like ideas yeah um i think everything you need to know is on the internet and it's probably free um there are courses you can take which costs a lot of money but most of the stuff you can actually learn for free if you know where to look and know what to find uh, look for um to I usually, when someone says, can you give me uh, an advice? Uh, I want to be in cybersecurity. What, what's your best advice? My best advice is to, to be curious and never stop learning. Those are actually the two best advice I can give anyone in any field. Um, because cybersecurity is about being curious. It's about taking apart stuff in a controlled manner. So you know where you should put your findings or you know you, where you should put your protection. Oh, so you take this one apart like this, and then this comes out. Then we should protect against this by doing that and this and that. Um, and that comes hand in hand with never stop learning. Um, if you have a if you have a dull time at work, bring up Wikipedia, uh, look up TCP/IP, uh, read up on it, how it actually works. Um, Google whatever latest attack that is in the news. 
you don't well bring something up and bring the late uh, read on the latest um go into the cv database just take the highest ranking one the last two months <laughs> that will keep you busy for a while <laughs> but yeah. re- read up on them google them how do they work uh is there a proof of concept that you can download from github most pro- yeah probably 99 of the time there is um you can go on microsoft's webpage you can download operating systems for free to run run them for 30 days, 90 days, or 180 days, depending on which one it is. Um, use that. Uh, install the server. Try the proof of concept code. Um, add your own detection in a way, um, and try to learn from it. And try to, like, aha! This is how the attacker thinks. This is how the attacker works. Um, and you can start. You don't have to start with the most sophisticated attacks. You can start by just learning cross-site scripting. You can, I mean, there's just so much to read. (laughs) And there's only 24 hours a day. Uh, And yeah, I wish they were longer and the earth spun, didn't spin so fast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So you get to read everything. Uh, But yeah, the thing is with with the security field, it's, it's super wide. Um, it's like when you look at it from the outside in the beginning, you say, I'm going to do cybersecurity. That seems cool. And then you dive in and then you realize that I can spend my life taking apart the Windows kernel. And that can be the only thing that you're doing and you can be super good at it, but it will keep you busy for a very long time. Um, and you will miss all the other bits. Um, then we, because we usually talk, we never really say it, but there is a soft side and a hard side. Um, and the soft side is the information security. You can read up on all the, oh, there are so many ISO standards when it comes to IT security. You can read up on all the NIST stuff and you can be like, yeah, you can be an advocate for that. And you can travel travel around to company after company uh, just teaching them how to use it. Um, and you, had, you barely have to touch a keyboard. Um, but then you can be the really techie, nerdy, person as well inside security so there are so many things to choose from so you have to decide quite early on um, what do you want to where do you want to spend your time um, and if you don't know well read freaking just go to reddit and read in this in the security subreddit or just search for stuff and see if something uh, pokes your mind in a bit and says oh this is interesting then you're onto something and you should dive deeper and when it gets hard don't give up uh hmm. so yeah, the- yeah that, that's really good uh like it's one of my pet peeves when it comes to to like job uh like announcements and stuff or, or job openings is uh and like as you said i, th- I think that security can be overwhelming because it's such a broad array of stuff that you need or should should know right yeah. And when you look at a at a job ad for something that you'd like, you're like, um, so I need to know these like 10, 10 bullet points and this and this and this and this are like oh the nice to have skills are also super wide, and I always like, I just keep on telling people that this is a wish list, like mm. like think of this as a like when you were a kid and you wrote your own Christmas list, like you mm. literally like mentioned everything you wanted, right? Yeah, yeah, like, you had one of those catalogs and you were just like, I want this Lego thing, I want this car, I want this, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this is this is exactly the same thing. Like if yeah. if you if you if you did that, like if your Christmas list is like a 20 item long list, 
Like you'd be happy if you got five of those. Or like yeah, or like that would be awesome, right? <laughs> yeah, and even just one could make you happy. Like yeah, yeah I got the top one. Yeah, okay. and it's the same with job ads, and like yeah. companies keep so keep on doing that because everyone else keeps doing it. So they just list a long list of things um, that, and you're not supposed to know everything. Like if you know some of them, like that's good. Uh, I mean that's that's good enough. You don't you don't need to know everything. So don't be no. afraid of actually applying for a job. I mean you never know. Um, exactly so yeah it's one of my pet we, peeves <laughs> yeah we we have a good thing in the chat again it's from inside security fan 401 um I so the quote fan. goes yeah so so it says uh so do you need a bachelor to get into cybersecurity? um so let's start with that one it depends um it seriously depends on where in the world you are um if you're based in the us or in hong kong um i have experience from those two places yes you probably need a bachelor to get your entry-level job uh, which is sad in a way but if you're in sweden you probably won't um i did i did the elementary school and after that i did our own version of high school which is not really high school but uh, let's call it high school for good say i did four years um that's that was before because i'm old and that was before they remodeled it and redid it so now it's just three years so it's three years after elementary school now. I did four years. Um, and after that, I did the military service as a cryptographer. Um, apparently, I was quite good with numbers um, and letters. Uh, so I did 10, 10 months of military service. And then I landed my first job after that, which was patching network cables, installing Windows, teaching doctors how to use Word. It was boring. But I would actually say that... If you're looking for an entry-level job, you want to get into security, uh, I would say start in a help desk. And I know people will look at me and say, you're frigging nuts. Come on. The help desk of a company is the, uh, is the hub. It's the center. Um, and you will get to know a lot of people if you work at that center, at that hub in the middle of everything. You will talk to a lot of people and you will get to know all the different departments. You will get to know a lot of different people. And if you stay curious and if you never stop learning, um, just shoot questions at them. Ask them when they call in, oh, I have a problem with my computer. Yeah, okay, where do you work? Oh, I work in this and that department. Oh, is it fun? Do you like it? Yeah, yeah I do. Okay, what do you do every day? I'm fixing your problem now, but let's let's chat for a bit. What do you do every day? Do you like it? Uh, because uh, I'm interested in doing something. I'm not going to sit here for 20 years, but... I mean, I mean, be interactive and talk to them and they will probably just open up and say, yeah, sure, um, I do this, this is fun, I do this, this is not so fun. But um, So that's why I usually say start at, the, start at the help desk if you need an entry level. It's your first job. Start at the help desk, try to survive six months, uh, as long as a year is really good, and try to learn as much as you can from every system you touch, from every people, every person you talk to. Learn as much as you can. Because that will give you a basis to jump from. Um, and if you're if you're really keen on getting into security, and this is before COVID or after COVID, um, just bloody hell walk up to them. Uh, if you have a 15-minute coffee break, bring your goddamn mug and just knock on their door if it's closed or whatever. Just find out who they are and ask them and say, I read this in the news. Can you explain it to me? Because I'm super interested in learning. And if you don't understand, say that. Oh, uh, well, okay, you're going too fast. Can you make it more easy for me? Because it, I'm 
I'm learning. Uh, I'm new here, and I want to learn. I mean, I want to be like you. But um, so uh, I, I think that's a really good advice. And sometimes it's quite hard to just get into security and land a security job on your first try, unless you have a bachelor degree, unless you have studied something that has to do with cybersecurity or computer security or forensics or pen testing or stuff like that. If you have that in your school re repertoire or if you've come from school with that, you will probably land a cybersecurity job to start with. But otherwise, if you don't have it, uh, aim for, yeah, I'd say aim for a help desk. It's worth that year. It is so worth it when you look back to it. If can feel like shit when you're sitting there but it's make the best of it and use those connections uh, that will get you so damn far yeah because experience in general is yeah. is crucial like in, in security i'd say because you can sort of i mean if you have a like, help desk experience and then you work in security and you see some port scan that you can you could probably deduce some stuff from that right like you might know some weird port scan is actually something else and stuff yeah. And uh, let's continue with the question. Uh, what would be more attractive, three years computer science or three years similar work experience? I'd say work experience beats education every day of the week, every, every day of the week. And the thing is, when I was working with PCI DSS and we were building those networks to handle payments and stuff, we had a saying, uh, me and my colleagues, we were like seven people doing this for a couple of years and we were working our asses off. Um, it was so crazy sometimes. Um, I mean, you can, get in at the, you can get into the office at nine in the morning and you can get out at 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> you can just take a cab home and die in your bed and then, you, and then you do it for like a couple of weeks in a row because you have something that you need to solve. Something is not working and you're fighting together. Uh, to, it's like an incident. So um, we, we worked a lot. But we were saying that working a month at that company and doing what we did for a month was equivalent to one year of education trying to learn the thing because of teachers, because of school, because of boring assignments and stuff like that. We learned so much that we didn't think of it as a job. We thought of it as a super well-paid education. Uh, so that's what we kept saying to each other. Oh, it's good to be back at this education. They pay us quite well, don't they? <laughs> um, so when you compare it to school, it was good pay. When you compare it to a normal job, it was just a normal job. Um, but I would say that if I have to choose between two persons, on a job and one has the theoretical knowledge uh, of a thing and have studied it for five years with good grades. And then I have person number two who has a recommendation that they have worked with it for five years, hands-on. I would choose that person if they are otherwise equal, uh, have the same personality, have the same, they work equally the same. Um, I would choose the one that has five-year work experience ahead of the person who has five years from school. Yeah. Um, because school is so different. Um, it's, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, sort of to continue on that comparison, uh, and like my, my is, what I usually say is also just show interest. Um, like you have to really be interested in this because it, it's more than just a job. You don't really stop working at 5 p.m. I mean, most of us go home and we read up on papers or watch some YouTube seminars or DEF CON videos or, or, or something. 
yeah, and like, listen to blog, listen to podcasts yeah. uh, while commuting or, yeah. And like yeah. If, if I had to choose between two people and one of them is highly skilled, but just tired of everything, <laughs> you know, yeah. but like his CV is awesome. Like he's done it, he's yeah. done it all. But then you can just tell he's just fed up with just everything, he, he, life. He or she. He or she, yeah. he or she, just, you know. But then you have someone who is more junior, but like they yeah. love this shit. Like, they, like it, they're passionate. Like I picked that person. Absolutely. Yeah, they have the spark. They yeah. are curious. They uh, they never they never want to stop learning. Yeah. And see what we're getting back to? Be curious, never stop learning. Yeah, uh, and, and there's so much stuff you can do. So yeah, I mean there's so much stuff you can do at home. Um and we touched on that before. Like do some like if you if you think of something interesting, like experiment with it and then write a blog post about it or record a YouTube video if you if you're more comfortable with a camera than than writing, right? Who uh, would be comfortable with a camera? I hate standing here. <laughs> we're in the YouTube generation, David. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> this is the first time I'm on, I'm on Twitch, just so everyone knows. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're, you're a future star. Yeah, so I'm know. a Twitch virgin. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I mean, you can, uh, if, you're, if you're interested in like network and, and like network security, um, like fire up some, some, some VMs or, and just, uh, you can, you can just um, roll out, uh, what's it called? Security onion. Yeah. So, and just tap all your network traffic and it's basically an ideas, but you listen to it. Like it, it captures all like the full packet data, um, to do that. That's so useful. Uh, if we're talking about a SOC, cause you're on the def- defensive side, you get to, I mean, you, you're going to, you're going to capture some traffic. You're going to watch, uh, what you're going to read some PCAPs in Wireshark and figure that stuff out. And then when you find something interesting, like write a blog post. Uh, it yeah. could be a simple WordPress or just a GitHub repo, just a new page or something, or a YouTube video, or like in TikTok. I don't know. Just do something. And then, like when exactly. you, I mean, um, yeah, like w- when you apply for a you job, you can also, and, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, uh, you were freezing up a bit there, so now I, I started it. talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we've been bashing Splunk uh, quite quite hard. And I'll just say, you can actually download Splunk for free. And you can ingest it with 500 megs every day. That's the limit for the free version. But if you spin up a Windows machine or if you spin up a Linux machine and you make them log to that Splunk instance, um, have your firewall log to that as well. It won't be 500 megs a day, I promise you that. Um, And you can actually try to learn that tool and dig into it and see what can I get out of this? Um, And what will be recorded into Splunk over the var messages, uh, var log messages. If I ingest this type of traffic, if I put this vulnerability into Apache, uh, Tomcat Apache, or whatever, um, and you can actually try and learn from the Splunk point of view what you can see, um, and you can learn to do your analysis there because some sometimes you might don't might not have access to the system itself when you're supposed to do an investigation and you only have access to logs. Um, but it, it's a way of learning what it can do. And yeah, it's yeah. just do it. It's free. And you, if you Google stuff, there are so many write-ups where you can just follow like steps one, two, three, four, do this, do that, click this, click there, uh, install this, type this command and boom, you have your instance up and running and then you can start working with it. Um, and yeah. It must be awesome to be young in this age because yeah. this stuff wasn't available and it uh, and it wasn't free uh, at, in the late 90s. Uh, Back in our 90s, days, yeah. David. When I was to... younger. 
No, but mm. it, it, it sounds, I, I know it's, I hate when old people say this to me in this way. Oh, you have all the possibilities in the world, young son. You should do this. Um, it's, it, there are always different times. Um, and I'm just saying that where I am now, I, I have worked quite hard to be here. Um, I'm not saying that it's easier today to get where I am because it depends so much on who you are and what you like and what you want to spend your time doing. But I'm just saying that if I had access to what I have access to now, 25 years ago when I was 20, uh, that would have that would have made uh, such an impact in a slightly bad way because sleeping is good and mm -hmm. I would probably not be sleeping at all. Um, but um, there are just so many free things out there, so many write-ups, so many tools, so much on YouTube um, where you can learn stuff. So, yeah, it's... Don't neglect it. Um, actually, just embrace it because... In 20, 25 years, you're going to be standing here saying the same thing to someone listening uh, and saying, I don't want to do this. And it's like, oh, if only you had. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, hopefully you, you, you're less grumpy than we are. So, I mean, let's <laughs> just aim, yeah. aim for that and you'll be fine. Don't aim to be this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not a good target. No. Um, so we got Drew a question questions. from chat from Silka, yeah. a, fa a favorite moderator. Like, yeah. of all the mods, he's, he's my absolute favorite and, yeah. and only one. <laughs> yeah, so, he is. <laughs> so, so David, what's your favorite uh, EDR, NDR, or XDR solution? Okay. Um, it's a good question, and it depends on the uh, application, and it depends on what I'm after. Uh, the EDR solutions available today. Um, um, this is gonna, this is gonna sound like a politician that doesn't want to answer the question. My favorite XDR solution today is Microsoft Defender for Endpoint using Sentinel and Log Analytics in the bottom. That's my favorite. <laughs> okay, it's out there. Um, but they solve things in a different way. And I actually ran into a problem with Defender uh, the other day. Uh, I have an ongoing discussion with Microsoft trying to solve it, and they say this isn't very high up on our priority list. And uh, that makes it kind of boring. Um, yeah. So that kind of takes away the awesomeness I was feeling using it. Um, but favorite NDR. Um, there are, I have worked with two of them. I have worked with Vectra AI and I have worked with Darktrace. Um, I've actually been on stage showing Darktrace and Darktrace has this gamified UI. So it has this super cold globe. Um, it has machines with cables running here and there in some Like in a 3D. hacker movie or something. It's just out of any hacker movie. Um, so you get a lot of ooh, ah, wah from the audience when you, when you show demonstrations of it. Um, my favorite NDR, it's hard to choose one of them because... They are so clumsy to work with. Um, I most often look at an look at a tool is how good is it to be used in an incident response engagement. NDRs aren't very good to be used in an incident response engagement because they need to sit in an environment and learn the traffic for a couple of weeks before it can actually provide you with anything. So I would say an NDR 
if we take a step back and NDR is like a sim it's super good if you ha- if you have one and I come on site and will help you with an incident if you have one that's awesome if you don't have one it's like okay let's do this anyway um, I can't really choose between any of those two I mean it's they work differently they've they're supposed to find the sort of same thing. Uh, I guess Dark Trace has a cooler UI, so I I choose that one because I've worked more with it. Um, I guess I don't know. Yeah. Uh, they are super expensive, both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think that my take on that is from a different point of view. I think, mm-hmm. um, like initially when I when I got the question, I like I went to getting a case escalated from from a level one. And then it's sort of like, well, it depends on what I need to do. Like, if I because I, as we said in in the beginning, I work like we work with Carbon Black, CrowdStrike, uh, and Microsoft Defender Endpoints. So like, yeah. if I have to go live on a computer and like do actual stuff on on a computer, Defender Endpoint is the worst. It's just yeah. so slow. It's so dependent on versions. Uh, you can't download a complete folder. You have to PowerShell it. It's it's horrible. <laughs> Like yeah. If you do that in CrowdStrike, it's awesome. Carbon Black yeah. is also really good. Uh, DFE, by far the worst. Yeah. Um, if you need to look at a timeline to understand, you know, what's what happened, like before and after this this alarm or this event, Defender uh, yeah. Endpoints is by far the best. Like process yeah. tree, uh, like my my personal like opinions. Yeah, yeah, yeah And sure. then like for a process uh, overview and sort of scroll out and see, you know, the parent process and gets from a graphical overview, then Carbon Black's interface is quite nice, actually. If you're running it on a Windows machine. Yeah, true. If you're running on, if you're running any of these on a Mac, it will say that the parent process of the process just started is XPS proxy. Yeah. And it won't say anything before that one. Thank you. Uh, so, that helps a lot, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> so did the user click this? I don't know. Oh. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's running. <laughs> Yeah, um, XDR. Well, XDR is XDR is like EDR and SIM combined. That's pretty much it. Um, and well, Mark, I would say Microsoft Sentinel is a good example of an XDR. I guess uh, CrowdStrike is a good example of XDR because beneath the surface of uh, CrowdStrike, you actually have Splunk. Um, and there are other well, there are other EDRs, and if you scratch the surface and dig deeper, you might see that they actually have an Elk stack below, uh, which is the sheepish version of Splunk. It works almost the same, slightly different language when you're searching, but it's you can clearly see where they got their inspiration from. Yeah, yeah, uh, it but it's free and it works, so that's also something to look at if you want to dig into a tool. Uh, and uh, the question continues. It says, and what's the next big thing in the monitoring world? I think the next big next big thing in the monitoring world is actually something that Microsoft just bought. Um, they bought a company called CyberX, and they are incorporating it in something they call Defender for IoT. Um, and what I know that they are doing is that it's... You could say it's an NDR because you need to install an appliance in the network and you need to tap the uh, switchers and routers and whatever you have um, your IoT equipment on. Um, 
you will need to tap them into these to this appliance running uh, Defender for IoT. Um, what it will do is that depending on the IoT equipment, and I'm not talking about your window blinds going up and down, I'm not talking about your light bulb, I'm talking about the the CM, uh, the Siemens and the Motorola uh, stuff that sits in your production environment, controlling the conveyor belt, controlling the printers, controlling whatever equipment you might have, uh, photo cells and, and whatnot. And what I know that Defender for IoT is doing is it's actually interviewing the IoT device. So you can, in well, in CyberX and in Defender for IoT, you can actually get um, a picture of the back plane. You know what a type of communication bus sits on that IoT device. Um, so I think that's the next big thing. We will see more of that and we will see it being aimed at the older industries. So if you go by production um, and like those big old wood mills um, and maybe car manufacturing and those types of places where you on a good day will have a Windows XP device doing stuff but probably something less you, you can't monitor really um you will have your motorolas and your cms uh siemens devices and stuff like that so i think that's the next big thing in uh, in monitoring yeah i think iot is gonna get it's gonna be it's gonna be really huge in the in the future like uh, yeah on the on the blue team aspect of it uh, we got another question from Scales. Okay. Uh, what was the biggest, most impactful moment in both of your IT security careers? I've been talking so much. You can start with this one. I actually, so. I don't really, I don't have any like biggest moments like, because I, th I thought about that before, before asking the question and I'm not, I don't have a good answer actually. Uh, it's not a single uh, big moment. It's more like a lot of small ones which is an insanely boring answer. Uh, but it's the truth. That, like, I don't have any... Yeah, I have a couple. Um, Shoot. Okay. Um, it, it goes back a while. Um, <clears throat> a couple in, of in the 1865, big... 1865. Uh... Yes, yes, you know. <laughs> I was a windy cold in the evening. Uh, no, not really. Um... Landing landing a couple of jobs have been quite significant um, in my life. And I know <laughs> I cheated my way to get one of them um, because I phoned them up and I said, hey, I want to come and work with you. Uh, and they were like, oh, cool. What programming languages do you know? And I was like, oh, which one are you working with? Uh, well, we do AS ASP is, or they did actually a different version of ASP called DIP. Uh, you can Google it, you will probably not find anything, but it was actually a some sort of compiling form of ASP. So if you knew ASP, you would you would know this one. The syntax was slightly different, but it was kind of just reading another, another dialect. So they said, well, we're working with ASP. Uh, do you know ASP? And I was like, yeah, I know ASP. Uh, when can I come for an interview? And they was like, oh, we were quite busy. Can you come in two weeks? We have an opening on the Thursday or whatever day it was. And I got a book. I have never programmed anything in ASP uh, before 
before that phone call. Uh, so I got a book and every time, every day I got home from the office, um, I was opening that book and I was reading it and I was creating my first web pages in ASP and I, and I just connected it to, I connected it to a database. So this was prior to, this was before the year 2000 and this was before things were called blogs. Um, there were some kind of blogs, but they were called reloads. People just put their diary on in the internet and they called it reload. Um, so I did a reload engine sort of um, in less than two weeks, never touched ASP before. So I went to this company and said, I did this, oh, I've done this web page and I know ASP and they were like, oh, shit, cool, that's nice, you're hired. And I was like, yeah, cool, okay, so it's easy then. Uh, and it wasn't, it was hard as hell. Uh, I really had to pull up my sleeves um, to actually keep my position, but it, I did work there for quite a while and it was super fun. Um, that was quite significant. Um, a couple of other things, or at least at least one thing, was when I when I did the payment service provider thing. Um, even though I was I was there for five years, but it felt like twenty because we were working so damn much. I learned I learned Cisco iOS by standing watching over shoulder. On, uh, for a technician who were doing it and after a couple of couple of hours or something I kind of got down to knowing which commands to do what they did and how you should be able to do it and then we, then it was just networking and routing and that was kind of easy uh, I thought so the day I said that well I can do this um, I know how to do this now and my boss said are you sure and I said yeah yeah I'll, I'll just fix it for you I'll, I'll be right back um, and I did it and I nailed it, that that was significant. Then I knew that, okay, this is going to be so much more fun. Um, and it's, this just repeats over and over. Um, and I remember when we did the first transaction going through all the systems, the very first transaction going through, and I actually did the configuration for a checkpoint firewall without ever having seen a checkpoint firewall. <laughs> I was given credentials to, I think it was R55 or something, an old version. It was almost 10 years ago now, I guess. Um, and I looked at it and said, okay, so you just type this here and type this there. It's like a graphical. Um, you just typing in columns saying, okay, this port to this port allowed, this port to this port allowed. There you go. I mean, it's, it's just so easy. Just commit and you're, you're done. Um, it's not like a Junos thing, never learned them, even though <laughs> impossible to learn. Uh, and when we when we did that first transaction, and I was alone in a in a huge uh, computer hall. Uh, it was freezing cold, sitting on the floor. I had my jacket underneath, but I was still freezing my ass off. My fingers were cold, and I heard all my colleagues at the office on this speaker uh, on my mobile phone, and they were just screaming. Wah! And you can hear this. Uh, receipt being printed on a uh, uh, on one of those payment terminals, and I understood that holy fuck, we just did one of the first PCI DSS uh, approved retail purchases in Sweden. Uh, that was that was and well, no one threw a parade for us, but we actually <laughs> needed a parade, I guess. So it's it's kind of nice to 
tell the tell the story now, ten years later. <laughs> That's gonna be cool. Uh, That's gonna be a yeah. It, it was achievement unlocked. A, it was such an epic moment. Um, and when you take the cab back to the office, and everyone were just so happy, and we drank champagne, and yeah, it was it was so cool. Uh, it really was. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I wish I had something that cool. I got a like, boring. So if you dig, nah, if you dig deep, don't you have? I mean, you've been telling me about a lot of shit. Oh, I went to London, I did this, then I went to Mexico and did that, and blah blah. blah. It's like, yeah, I've, I've been in Stockholm all my life. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, yeah. the the the, uh, the bravest and most stupid decision I've ever done was when I because I worked in 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 London for a year. I decided to uh, yeah. <laughs> so like a mine is not inside security. It is brave though. It I, is it's brave. Hi Ricky B. He's back, <laughs> Mr. MVP oh, from, yeah. la, from last episode. Hi Ricky. So so I, uh, I I worked in London for a year and I decided to to quit uh, and to go somewhere else to work and then. I spoke to a recruiter, I think it was on a Wednesday, and they said, hey, so we have a position open in, in Bogota, in Colombia, uh, but you need to start on Saturday. I'm like, Saturday. I don't, <laughs> by myself, and like, there was one of the times that that role was sort of like way out of my league, but they offered it to me. I'm like, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it, and I'm going to nail it. So I decided to to take that job. I left everything I had in London, and like in three days' time, I prepared everything. Went to Colombia, not speaking the language, not knowing almost not a word of Spanish, and went there. And like I worked there for a couple of months, and then I went to Mexico for a year. So yeah, that yeah, was. But, um, that but was that cool. feeling when you've been there for two weeks and you're still alive and you're still not sucking at your job. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I I had no idea what I'm doing, and I still don't. So that's sort of the <laughs> the general guideline through my career. It's my disclaimer. I have no idea what I'm doing, uh, but I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Yeah. Right. So David, I'm gonna throw some uh, a new segment at you that I, as I said yeah. last episode, I completely stole it from uh, from Gary V, who is uh, like a big like YouTube influencer dude. It's called overrated, underrated. Okay. So basically, I throw words at you or topics or stuff or something, and then you tell me if you think it's overrated or underrated or like normally properly rated. Is this timed? So do I get how no. long do I get to think about it? No, you just reply? no, you reply instantly and okay <laughs> with one word or like let's do it. Uh, yeah. Ten minutes, I I don't care. Okay. So oh, zero days are those overrated or underrated? Underrated. Why? I think they're underrated because they impose such a huge problem to the whole industry that we are working with. Um, just read up on cybersecurity, read up on how the United States disabled our, the uh, nuclear uh, research facilities in Iran. Um, there are so many things, how the Russia hacked the uh, power grid in Ukraine um, using exploits for different systems and basically zero days um so zero days are definitely underrated and we need to get get our head into the game so much faster and it boils down to that um companies producing systems they really need to take the responsibility and be open with the flaws they have and be super fast fixing them so definitely underrated awesome so work, li work or life balance? Work-life balance. <laughs> I, 
Oh, this is a tough one. This is a psychological uh, I one. I know. I think it's, it's uh, well, for me, it's obviously important. I have a wife and I have two kids and I have a house. I have a hobby as well. Which the question I is, is, is she watching this? Because that's going to impact your, your answer, right? I hope she is. That would be fun. <laughs> yeah. But she's not. <laughs> Sadly enough, she's not. Yeah. She's probably, no, she's awake. It's yeah. only 9.30. Um, I think it's, to have a work and life balance is also underrated. It's, you really need to have one. Um, you, depending on what you work with, I mean, if you, if you work as much as Michael and I do, um, when we are getting thrown into incidents, it's super important that you have that you have your coach, uh, that you have your team behind you. Even uh, you have one team at work and you have another team at home. So, I'm for an example. I got to bed at three three thirty one morning after working a, cra a seriously crazy shift. Um, my f alarm went off at six fifteen. Uh, so it's time to get up. And for some reason, my wife noticed when I went to bed and memorized the time. So I was just trying to sit up in bed at 6.15. And she was like, David, go back to sleep. I'll take care of the kids. Just sleep. Um, and that's teamwork. Yeah. And that's someone having your back. Um, because if I was alone with those two kids that they would have been shit. <laughs> um, so that's what I mean with it's underrated to not... It's underrated. You really need to have a really good life-work balance in the sense that those periods when you're working a lot, because you will if you get into cybersecurity, if you choose to. You can also choose not to, but if you choose to, it's super important to have your team. It's super important to have the balance because you cannot just... Um, it's like a glass of water and every time you do an incident like this you're pouring from the glass but you need to refill the glass from time to time as well otherwise it will dry up and uh, it, but it will not be a very fun times um, so you will need to refill it and that's where the balance comes in so yeah. take care of your loved ones um, but we were we were uh, I don't remember if we were talking about it or if we were just writing about it because we referenced the movie we referenced the movie Hurt Locker yeah. Uh I think we were just typing. Yeah, and pre-show. Yeah, pre exactly, pre-show. Um and if you haven't seen it, go see it. This is borderline spoiler. Uh so disconnect. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, disconnect now and come back in 2 minutes. No. Um <laughs> it, it's about a guy um it's about a guy going to Iraq and clearing mines. Um and you can clearly see that uh, it's a shitty job. It's tough as hell being there. But when he gets home, it's like he's he's having apathy. He's, he's not doing much. He's just sitting and, and everything is just even shittier. And the only time he's alive is when he's in his bomb suit walking in between the... F well, in this ruins in the city trying to clear mines and making the, the world safer there. Um... It resonates very well with me because I'm not saying that I'm not alive when I'm with my family, but I'm definitely alive when I'm helping the team doing incident response engagement. Um, I love being with my kids and playing games and being in this in the woods and going for a hike or whatever. That's super fun. But oh my god, doing incident response engagements 
uh, it's hard to beat that. It's, it's like a drug, as you, as you like to yeah. say. Yeah, it is yeah. a drug. <laughs> yeah, super good answer. All right. So next topic, Daft Punk. Oh, okay. Uh, I think... Which is now but, a thing anymore because they split split up. Yeah, they have. Uh, so I think they were... I think they're both in a way. So in the beginning, in the in the 1990s, um, I think they were underrated when they started. And then they became super popular and they went the... Uh, sellout is not very Ooh, nice right. calling yes but they were on mtv all the time uh with a song around the world and some other songs as well um and they had this uh, i think they had three different videos that you should see in a row because they were kind of interlinked in some way and i thought that was oh, come on this is overrated why is <laughs> why is everyone falling for this this is shit the music isn't very good anymore and then they kind of disappeared for a while and then they came back and when they started working with other artists like the weekend a couple of years ago with the song starboy um to me they become underrated again because that production is just so awesome so yeah underrated became overrated went back to underrated and now they're no more so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's flowed, my answer to daft punk <laughs> flowing back and forth basically <laughs> i didn't say daft punk i said daft punk you should listen oh, oh. okay sorry <laughs> no <worries>. sorry <laughs> so back to some security stuff again what about okay. honeypots are they overrated or underrated they are underrated um in a way in a way underrated um there are different companies doing honeypots. I think Thinkst Canary is a really cool honeypot and it's underrated. It's overrated in the sense that they say you should buy a shitload of them and sprinkle them across your network. I think that's overrated. Um, when it comes to underrated, I think they can provide you with so much information if you use them right, um, if you use a honeypot right. Uh, I, I was actually running three honeypots on the internet for 10 months. Um, if I push all, and this is where Splunk comes in, um, if I pushed all the logs, if I push all the logs into Splunk, I will get something around 10 million lines of logs. Um, and the only thing my honeypot did was allowing people to log in through SSH if they, uh, according to a password list I had, they would land in a Python virtual environment. So they would not get access to my file system. They would get access to a virtual file system where they could download files. So I could see that they tried the different types of passwords. I could see them log on. I could see them download malicious code, uh, malicious scripts, but they couldn't execute them. So they went from like having a cool name to an easier name to super easy name and then to be called fuck.bash or whatever um, because it didn't work. Um, and the thing is, every time they downloaded something to my Honeypot, that that Honeypot software, I was running Curry, uh, that Honeypot software copied the file to the real file system into a folder where only the uh, that process could uh, uh, write. Um, and then I could come in to my Honeypot and just extract them. Uh, so I, for a while, I had a lot of tools that could be used to do quite a lot of damage. Uh, but I chose to actually... Uh, just send everything to Microsoft. Um, so every time I got something new, uh, I s 
I know a couple of times I had something that wasn't even on Virus Total. Um, so I just sent it to Microsoft uh, where you can upload stuff and write stuff um, and said, I found this on my honeypot. And uh, that would, in the way, actually increase the protection for the Microsoft Defender. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess it comes back to I, I'm trying to make the world a better place every day. Um, so that was one of the ways I did it. So honeypots definitely underrated. Before you start one, please read on read up on how they work. Don't just put a machine on the internet because if you lose control over it, it's gone. Yeah. Uh, it can be used for some pretty bad stuff. So make sure it's make sure you follow protocol. Make sure you know what you're doing because it can be worse than not putting it there. So if you do it right, it's super good and you can learn so much from it. Uh, so I say underrated and I say do it, investigate it, be curious, never stop learning. Maybe do some write-ups. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, the thing was, uh, 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 touching upon that one, I went through, I allowed some passwords to so they could log in, but I got an insane amount of passwords that they were trying. Um, so I actually did, did some Splunk searches and did some statistics for this, and I presented it to uh, the company where I, was, where I was working. And what I noticed that would be a safe password um, was actually a question mark. I have to look at my keyword. <laughs> I'm too tired. Uh, exclamation mark, uh, lower letter Q, A, Z. And then they had the at sign, which means that they were on an English keyboard or a couple of other, uh, but they were not on a Swedish keyboard because you have the uh, you have the quote sign there. On shift two, you have the quote. So if I would do a password that said shift one, uh, exclamation mark, uh, QAZ, shift two, that would give me the quote, and then uh, WSX. That would be a password they would never try because on an English keyboard, that's way on the right uh, in the middle row somewhere, almost close to the uh, enter key. Um, so that was a cool finding. So all the hackers listening to this, change if you're attacking a Swedish company, change to a Swedish code page on the keyboard. That will might get you somewhere. So is is that your password now? <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, okay, just making but sure. But it never. It, what occurred to me is that that combination never appeared in the logs. But the uh, uh, exclamation mark Q Q A Z uh, and then yeah. the at sign W S X that appeared a lot of times. So that was a cool finding. Uh, having the Swedish keyboard layout uh, would it, could actually keep you safe. Change to Swedish what? Keyboard layout. If you have your keyboard, if you change the set, uh, the keyboard layout, you will get a letter A with a ring over it on the right side of P. Um, and on the right side of L, you will get the umlaut O and followed by the umlaut A. Uh, so the keyboard layout, yes, the keyboard layout. So if you change it to Swedish, when attacking a Swedish company that could actually take you further <laughs> than having an English one. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, when attacking, too, switch to too local good of stuff. A tip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Read out on who you're attacking and change it. Yeah. Yeah, no, not born yesterday. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm tired and I'm not But it's hard because we have no idea about like what the, what, what the, the people in chat know or don't know. So it's, 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 no, it's hard. Yeah, I know. All right, so let's continue on with uh, some overrated, underrated. Okay, what about yeah. certifications? I would say overrated. Uh, and it brings me back to I agree. the uh, the rant we had about um, work experience versus school experience. Um, I don't have any certifications. 
Uh, I have one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe no, like two or three or something. I don't know. Yeah, I Nothing, have a certification uh, in some application that we are supposed to use, but it's I'm when someone says uh, certifications, I I tend to see. Uh, I mean, do you have a certificate from SANS? Do you are you an ethical hacker? Are you yes, those? Yes. Oh, amazing. No, I mean, those types of things uh, that actually matters. Um, I don't care if you have a certificate in Excel. Uh, that's not the one I mean. So, yeah. I actually uh, have one in, C in, in SCCM, though I've never really worked with SCCM, so it's interesting. Oh, cool. Don't, long story. Another episode. <laughs> episode four. Yeah, episode four. Michael's SCCM. SCCM adventure. Yeah, two hours of <laughs> shit. Yeah. Uh uh, yeah, do we have CISSP? Um, I do not. I don't think David has either. But uh, no. and that's one of those um, clueless information security specialists. That's a good yeah. Uh, I think a good that, acronym. I think that that's that one and CEH are getting shit on a lot, and yeah. uh, I don't really like it because you, t I mean, you take search for ver for different reasons. Uh, perhaps you take a search because it will help you uh, to learn more stuff, in which case I'd say they're not that good. And in some cases, um, you need a SASP to get past HR. Like, yeah. there's no way you'll get past HR into the security, uh, into the CISO. Like, your CV will never end up at the CISO if HR is blocking it because you don't have SISP. So, That's true. like, yeah. there's that reason. Uh, and also it's like um, CH certified ethical hacker. I think that was a crappy course, um, but I see it on so many places. They're like, oh, you should have this cert. Like, yeah, it's a way in, and um, not for the end person, the end manager, but you know, for to get past HR and stuff. I think it, they have the reasons. They have their usefulness. Let's say, I I have a couple of uh, let's call them acquaintances now because I've been working together with them, but they were consultants. Um, a couple of them, they have this, uh, they have this ISP, um, and they were incredibly intelligent people and they were, they were amazingly knowledgeable. You can ask them anything and they could explain it to you in the proper way so you can understand it. Um, I'm not saying that's because of the certification. I'm saying that's because of who they are, but they had that, they had this ISP and, um, so like you say, it's, it's, it gets thrown a lot of shit at it, but it's hard to say if it's good or a bad certification, but I know a couple of people who has the badge and they are very intelligent and they are very knowledgeable. So maybe they just went there and write, wrote the test and went home again <laughs> yeah. without studying. I don't know. Uh, yeah, because but yeah. you don't know the backstory basically. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and also, like, if you're a consultant and you don't have CISP, and then you're supposed to go on a big engagement, and that client is like, "Oh, our consultant uh, has to have CISP," you're like, "Why? Oh, because you know the client might might, might be shit." So, I mean, yeah, I'll take CISP and then go consult for them for two years or something. So why not? Which so they have they have their their purposes. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah. don't really agree with one of the comments uh, saying that that's why CISOs in Sweden sucks because they strive to have CISP. Um, I think it's it's depend it depends on it depends on the person. Uh, I happen to know, I would say a lot of CISOs uh, for different companies, quite huge ones, uh, global companies, and 
none of them are striving to have the CISP. Some of them have has the badge, um, they've earned it, and some of them don't. But they are, maybe it's my filter bubble. Maybe I don't know shitty CISOs. Maybe there are a lot of shitty CISOs, but I don't happen to know them. And uh, in my filter bubble, those who work as a CISO, I, I, I don't want to name any of them, but I know quite a lot of them. Lots of them. Uh, and it comes back that they are intelligent and knowledgeable people. Yeah. And maybe that's why they don't strive to get it. And may, maybe that's why they're not shitty at their job or, and so on. But I guess, I guess there are shitty CISOs, but I haven't run across one yet. Yeah, and then regardless of the of the position, I mean, some people are good, some people are shit. So hi, Mikael Takeo. I just want to say hi. We worked together hey. for uh, many, many years ago. So hi. Hi, Michael. It's good to see you in chat, man. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. let's... Um, I have one last uh, overrated, underrated for you, David. Ooh, okay, okay. The last one. It's the toughest one, isn't it? Yeah, APTs. Yeah. Are APTs overrated or underrated? And this is your this is your opinion, not the general or your employer no. or something. Like, what's your take on it? I would say underrated because we've seen them do so much damage. Um, every time I'm up against an APT, it's serious. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not giving up. They have all the resources they need. They can just walk up to their boss and say, I need more CPU, I need more RAM, and they will get it. Um, They are serious. Um, So I would say they are underrated because of the impact they have done historically, the impact they are doing right now, and God knows what they will do tomorrow. Um, Yeah. And to sort of expand on it, I think it's also... Um, like the long answer I'd say is depending on the threat model of that organization or company. I mean, yeah. if you're if you're a if you're a telecom company or you're a bank, I mean, APTs is is on your horizon. Oh, they're uh, already in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, if they if they want to get in, they they'll get in eventually. Yeah, that's why. And as I think I said last episode as well, I I like to like assume breach, like just assume that they're on the inside. And go from yeah. there. I mean, that's, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, APT, yeah. Is, is the United States and States an, an APT when they attacked Iran? Uh, I suppose so. Probably. <laughs> yeah. I'd say they were advanced and persistent. So Yeah, they were. Uh, they were super advanced. And they were state-sponsored. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, when you take apart the code they wrote, that they attacked those centrifuge in that uh, in that way they did, it's it's not something your average coder does, I guess. Yeah. And uh, the resources they had, so they can could buy these stuff and test it in a lab before they deployed it, it's just crazy. And Olympic destroyer, um, and the way it was performed, and the way they tried to perceive. Where the code came from and they had a lot of times on their hands but it's it's not a script kitty with your mommy's visa that's for sure <laughs> if you want to draw the line to something uh yeah, yeah. probably not um 
that concludes my list of overrated, underrated. Uh, I think okay. it's, I think it's a fine, fine, uh, a fun segment to to just expand on stuff, like to throw stuff at you that you're not prepared uh, to answer either. Ooh, here's a tough one. Have you ever been threatened in real life because of your work? Uh, luckily enough, I have never. Uh, I uh-huh. have sort of. Ah, Bogota again, now, right? <laughs> no, no, it was actually uh, at, a, at, a, at a fintech company uh, in Sweden. Uh, oh, really, really, really long story. Uh, started with uh, uh, some idiot on LinkedIn, uh, just commenting on, on on shit stuff. Ended up with him coming to my workplace, handing me a painting, which was basically a horror painting of a suicide. Whoa! And like, this is for you. Holy you, you can have shit. this. Like, what? Jesus! So what that, did you do to piss him off? Long story. Uh, I think we'll do that <laughs> offline. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so that was. Uh, Michael remembers this, he says. Yeah. That was okay. fucking weird. But yeah, that's. Jesus. Yeah, um, luckily enough, I've never been there. Uh, yeah. Never experienced it. Pretty strange. But yeah, that's. Uh, so that wasn't really a threat, but sort of. Jeez, uh, yeah. that's. Yeah, that's uh, police report stuff. Uh, yeah. It is. Fucking uh, strange. Yeah. <laughs> Right, David, did I forget uh, to bring up anything or is there anything you want to sort of uh, touch on again? Or, or like, No, R- Ricky mentions if we've heard about the one guy threatening to kill, I think it was Daniel Stenberg yeah. then. Uh, no, I've actually missed it. I did. Uh, okay, now I, I missed that. Uh, curl is such an amazing tool to use. Um, so, but, yeah. But that was weird because like, uh, the, the, the curl creator, Daniel Stenberg, he... Yeah. He usually posts stuff um, like screenshots of mail that he gets from people. They're like, "Why are you hacking my web server? I see you in my logs." I'm like, "He's like, it's curl. Like, like NASA uses curl. It's on Mars, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone uses yeah, curl. Exactly. Uh, uses yeah. curl." And then oh, there was okay. like one guy who literally like threatened him to death in an email because okay. he something something yeah. destroyed his uh, startup thingy something. Yeah. Um, like really really weird shit. Uh, I think he posted that on Twitter and some screenshots. So, yeah, if anyone wants to read that, that's that's strange. Yeah, so weird. But there are there are crazy people in the world. Yeah, he gets uh, a lot, lot of crazy people. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah uh... Uh, I did not keep the painting. Uh, I think it's still at that workplace. Uh, oh. <laughs> it's 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 so bizarre. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get a screenshot of it or like a photo or something. I think I still know people there, so yeah, yeah. It's super weird, man. I'm I'm gonna have to show you. I I missed the thing. Uh, one comment in the chat. Uh, FXR five four six zero says Windows fanboys, and I'm on a Mac. I hope that's that answers that question. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm on a Mac fanboy. here. I'm on a Mac there. Uh, yeah. I'm a Windows fanboy. Yeah. I got it all over the place. Uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm decent in, in in Linux. I don't know. I I couldn't even start up a Mac. I think. Uh, I think you can. You, you just push a button. It says bam, and then it boots, and then you're done. Uh, then you have to log in, of course. But it's. Um, uh, oh, thought Trusic was all about Windows. No, we're not. Um, it's kind of interesting. A lot of Windows people. A lot of lots of our MVPs get a lot of attention. So that's why people think that Trusic is a Windows shop. That's why 
TrueSec only pro promotes Windows or having partnership with Microsoft. If you start to talk to any of our pen testers or red teamers or security coding people, um, if you get on the inside of the walls of TrueSec, you will see that there are very few Windows people, but those few Windows people makes a lot of noise in a good way, but there are definitely more Linux people at TrueSec, but they don't seek the attention is the wrong word to use. Uh, let's call it language limitations because I can't find a better one. But we have so many amazing colleagues that doesn't really like Windows or Microsoft at all. <laughs> um, so no, um, uh, TrueSec is not all about Windows. Uh, I would say TrueSec is about choosing the right tool for the assignment and mm -hmm. choosing the right tool for the job. It's like using a hammer when you need a hammer and using a screwdriver when you need a screwdriver. Uh, and using a theme when you need a theme. When you, need what, does your, your... what does your pen testers do? I think this is, you need to do another episode. You need to get Eric online. You need to get uh, Rasmus here. You need to get uh, David and the lot <laughs> on yeah. your show and let them talk about it. Uh, I'm the wrong person to answer it. Uh, yeah. If you... If you want to know what they do, I mean, yeah, give them a call. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Order a pen test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they happily answer answer questions of like yeah, what to do and stuff. So um, no problems there, I'd say. No. Uh, 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 you have MS as a partner, and that may be the thing uh, with people see in using LinkedIn. Yeah. Yep. Um, that might be so. Yeah, and I think it's sort of a, it projects that way because our like our Windows MVPs are like really really like skilled Windows MVPs and they're really like public figures. So it's, it's yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, like a couple of years ago, I thought TrueSync was a, was a, like a Windows shop. <laughs> I did. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you if you get to those infrastructure summits or the cybersecurity summit, you will see you will see people hacking in Windows. Um, so yeah, I, it's, I guess it can be perceived in that way because of that. Um, but I'm just telling you, that's not the truth, the whole truth. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I love windows. We figured. Yeah. Ricky, cool. You're smart. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Max are totally safe. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was on stage presenting that as well. Um, yeah. it's a, it touches on cybersecurity again, and it touches on threat intelligence. Um, I know companies that first and foremost use Windows. Um, the Windows machine is is locked down in a way, so the employee can't do much. At some places, they can't even change the desktop background, which annoys them a lot. Um, and then you move up the chain a bit, and you see that the uh, the CEO doesn't really oblige to these rules because he just went to an Apple store and bought an Apple MacBook because he thinks it's shiny and he wants it. And he tells the IT staff that I'm going to use this one, make it work. Um, and they have no idea how they should monitor it and they can't lock it down um, because they don't have the, uh, the tools to do it. They need to procure a completely new tool to make it work, Jamf or whatever it's called, I don't know. Yeah, um, and 
that CEO thinks that his shiny new MacBook is completely safe. He doesn't need any antivirus. He has turned on FileVault, so the disk is encrypted, which is good. But he doesn't have any other protection. And he's one of the most... Uh, one of the one of those people that will get the most uh, fraudulent emails. Uh, the attacker will pretty quickly understand that this person doesn't have a Windows machine, he has a Mac machine. And if you look at all the threats that has hit the Mac OS platform the past year or past two years, um, you will see that the Macintosh platform is not safe. Um, I was on stage presenting a report where I had just had a timeline and I had a lot of bullets with some callouts for some serious threats hitting Mac. And I just presented it in this way, saying that the person using this machine is one of the most valuable people at the office because of the execution power he has or she has. Um, it's the CEO, it's the CFO, um, and they have a platform that's not protected. Uh, and you think that Macs are safe? Uh, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's so it's so bad. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I have some horror stories. I was, um, I spent a, a, a very short uh, time at, at a fintech company. It's not the one on my LinkedIn profile, so no, it's not. That's not the one. Uh, which was a like heavy, heavy Mac shop, uh, and I wanted to like introduce EDR to them. Um, and like I wanted to introduce uh, vulnerability management and an EDR basically, and I it was refused like a complete no because no. Max can't you can't hack Max <laughs> from the from the CISO. So I'm yeah. just like, oh. yeah. and like initially I thought it was like a joke, you know, like oh okay, oh, no no no, yeah, like, just, just yeah no no, like we don't need it, like no we are a Mac shop, so we don't need EDR or, or any form of AV or stuff. So, like, that's it. Like, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Aren't we helping a company right now who has a shitload of Macs? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are. Yeah, we are. And they had a SOC that was that were only using a SIM and not an EDR to monitor them. So, there yeah, you go. That didn't turn out well. That didn't, no. Uh, I feel pity for them both the company and the sub company but yeah uh yeah can't hack max yeah he said that yeah like he literally said that i i wasn't even allowed to do a, a proof of concept with an edr because you can't hack max <laughs> like okay so that's yeah that's reassuring uh, yeah uh, it, it, it it's hard to go from there like okay so what do you want me to do then if that's like if that's a threat model like we don't need to worry about anything because we run max <laughs> okay sure yeah sure uh, anyway shit we've been talking for two hours two hours and five minutes that's a that's a long time man yeah it's gonna be some serious editing getting this one done <laughs> mm. cutting away all the bullshit <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna call in sick on monday and do this so just you know <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Exactly. Yeah. So that's exactly. Ricky B says in chat, everything that's claimed to be unhackable is worth giving a shot, and that's like that. That's how you get a free pen test. Yeah. You, you put your shit on Twitter and say like, we just did some unhackable. Uh, exactly. Product. There was something like a week ago when they said that this was unhackable. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Fuck. It's it's not ah. going to turn out well. I've I've heard it 
I've heard I've heard it over quite long time span. And yeah. Every time some company. Okay, so this one goes back to my days at payment stuff. Um, a company called Ingenico, I think it was Ingenico, put out a payment terminal saying we have an extra chip for hacking. If you remove the shell, if you remove the cover, um, it will factory default. It will blow some fuses. It, 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 it was basically a bomb. Not really, but... <laughs> Tamper-proof stuff. It, it was tamper-proof. It would fry some, uh, some ICs and it was supposed to be unusable. Um, and they said, this payment terminal cannot be hacked. And I think it took less than two weeks before someone were playing Tetris on the display. Um, yeah. So you should, and I mean, if you can play Tetris on that one, how many customers, how many companies and organizations are going to buy your terminal? So, I mean, it was just so much bad press for them. Um, and they had to do, yeah, some seriously turning the coats. And it, it was just crazy. Um, you can, if you Google payment terminal playing Tetris and you get a, you get a result for like nine or 10 years back, you will see what I mean. Um, it was just, it was just horrendous. Uh, and it's, he, history repeats itself. Um, yeah. so every time an organization says we've done this and this is unhackable, it will take you a very short amount of time because a lot of people, that's fuel to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> They will just hack it. Uh, I love when people run games on stuff that shouldn't run games. Yeah. Like the coolest one I've seen recently was someone playing, was it Wolfenstein or Doom on a pregnancy test? <laughs> that was awesome. Have you seen that one? <laughs> no. Oh, I, I gotta, I gotta, I'll put oh, it in the show notes in the, in the YouTube like details. Yes. Yes. It's send awesome. it over. I want to see it. Doom. Yeah, Doom. Yeah. Think Doom, Doom okay. on a pregnancy test. That's amazing. Doom on a pregnancy test. Yep. It, Imagine the CPU <laughs> power in a pregnancy test. Yeah. Um, I know Doom is... It, it isn't the hardest game on a CPU to play, but I mean a pregnancy test. Imagine if you buy... It's a, not supposed to do much. Uh, imagine if you buy a pregnancy test and you have to finish Doom on it in order to know if your test was, was uh, positive or negative. Yeah. Uh, that would be cool, yeah. though. Exactly. Uh, killing the monster, not killing the monster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ricky B says the T-Mobile Austria and their awesome security. Oh. Uh, thank you for bringing it up. Uh, I had I had that one stored away in my memory, locked it in a box somewhere, but you just brought it out in daylight. Um, yes, I remember that. It, that was a shit show. <laughs> it, <sighs> do, do, it, do you remember it well, well enough to recap for anyone who didn't hear it? No, I don't. Um... But basically the Twitter feed, right? Um, yes, they wrote on Twitter that they were, yeah, they had amazing security and they didn't need whatever it was, some sort of protection. Uh, no, I don't remember. Um, yeah. But it, it, they went on Twitter and they said something which the whole community laughed at. Yeah. Um, I thought they were crazy. I, I remember this. They, yeah. Yeah, okay. So Ricky B fills in and say they stored passwords in clear because they had awesome security to protect <laughs> it. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Customer passwords. Yes. Um, yep. I mean, they should have just blamed the, it on the intern. Yeah. They should. <laughs> like, like Solo instead, if you heard it. Yeah, they blamed it on some intern. That was, that was good management. That was, yeah, boss of the year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's uh, crap. So yeah. scale says pregnancy tests is better than a gaming PC. 
that's true. It's more convenient, at least. Yeah, it's portable. <laughs> exactly. Aha, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Thanks, Ricky, for reminding me of the T-Mobile. Uh, that was... There are yeah. so many fun things. Um... Ricky, man, we, we missed you in the, in the beginning, just so you know. Pregnancy cluster. Yeah, we should do yeah. that. Instead, <laughs> of, instead of Raspberry Pi, it's just have a pregnancy test cluster. Yeah, uh, that would be cool. Running Rainbow Six Siege. <laughs> I'd play that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we... I think there's one thing that we haven't really talked about. Um, I think it came as a question before the show. Mm. Um, and we discussed it yesterday. And mm. yeah, uh, we, I think we have talked about common cases. If the question about common cases isn't answered clear enough, write to Michael and Michael and I will provide an answer. Um, the question that we haven't talked That's about correct. is the biggest mistakes. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought about writing something to that, something long. Or I have a, should, I have a short should, answer. Yeah, and I, I just put down four words in uh, my own show notes for this one. And I, the biggest mistake is not monitoring entry points. And by not monitoring entry points, I mean you should have detection on your EDR because the EDR is where the person sits who will click the phishing link from getting an email that hasn't been filtered out by your email cleaning service. Um, so you need to monitor that one because it doesn't matter how much you will give persons or your staff in awareness training, it will still be that one time someone is tired and not f seeing all the little details and they will click the link and they will give away their credentials to the to your company to their account in their com in the company and as a sock as a man sock you need to monitor these devices every second of every day and every day of the year so my the biggest mistake that you can do is not monitoring your endpoints mm. Yeah, absolutely. And like the internet is built on clicking stuff. Like you're supposed <laughs> to click stuff. That's how it works. Yeah, exactly. uh, and that's the hard part. And then you tell people, don't click on stuff. Like, well, that's how it that's what it's supposed to do. It's like, designed to be clicked on. Exactly. Uh -huh. So that's 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 the uh, the challenge I'd say. Yeah. Uh, okay, so my take on on the biggest yeah. mistake you can do. Uh and this probably well, it's basically don't forget to put it in block mode. Ex yeah, because we've seen really that good. before yeah. in incidents. You have an EDR, uh, and like usually when you deploy an EDR, you put it in in like listening mode or whatever it's called for like a week or so, just to make sure that you don't really that you're not supposed to block like production stuff and nothing breaks basically. But then after yeah. that, you put it into block mode, so you block malicious stuff. Yeah. But we even encounter stuff where companies has not put it in block mode. Yeah, and shit happened shit happen so if you Before have an EDR put, in. <laughs> put it in block mode once you've yeah. like it's learned enough basically that's my short answer yeah how to convince your company to deploy an EDR is a question from Ricky in the chat um, that's a quite easy it's a quite easy one actually um, you should try ransomware on like all your servers and endpoints uh, that's a pretty easy way to persuade someone to put in an EDR, but you should put it in an EDR before you get that. So what you should do to convince your company to do an EDR, I say order a red team exercise or order a, you, you can start, you can start 
more easily actually you can start by just doing a health check um getting some check boxes to see where where do we have some uh, faults or flaws where are we good what do we ace and where do we need to improve that kind of thing um i would like to say that moving to a pen test is step two and moving to a full-scale red team exercise is uh is take number three and if you do those any of those preferably all three that will give you enough evidence and enough enough information um to get an edr in um i'm curious to know that if you know if you don't have an edr what do you have do you have an av and a sim uh i'm not laughing because i think it's funny and you're screwed i'm laughing because we've for two hours we've talked about this <laughs> and uh, an AV is not an EDR and an EDR is not a sim and you need all three uh, yeah I don't think Rick so. was here in, in the beginning so he might no uh, to his defense he wasn't uh, so how do you how to convince but a I've... company to deploy uh, do health checks do penetration tests do red team uh, red team exercises uh, that will give you uh, that yeah, will I've... give you what you need I've been in that position on, on uh, in companies and it's hard uh, like I've I've been in a position where you run uh, an AV and then you run some from a CM or SIM, sorry, to yeah. just uh, try to catch stuff basically, yeah. and then you try to convince your manager and like management that you need an EDR, and it's expensive. It's way more expensive than what you're currently using, probably. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, uh, it, it might also be hard to get them to order a, a red team exercise because that's also time consuming and expensive. While that would yeah. be like r- awesome. But um, I'd say, like, try to convince them to run a, a POC, a proof of concept. Um, and in that proof of concept, the like that uh, the company who like is supplying the EDR does uh, some form of health check, some form of threat hunting, and you have a proof of concept for some period of time. And like, hopefully that will, hopefully, uh, and not hopefully, but hopefully that will find stuff, bad stuff that's in your environment that will prove it's worth like instantly hopefully yeah absolutely and um your former colleague michael has a good question as well how do you convince the md uh, to spend 500k on something they don't understand mm. it's it's our job to make them understand um it's yeah it's it's probably your job as well and how so the question would be how do you make them understand I would say if you're in Sweden and your MD doesn't understand why they should spend 500k on this, they should Google um, AdTech, A-D-T-E-C-H, AdTech. Um, It's over a year ago now, but I think the ransomware attack they experienced uh, cost them around 600 million Swedish crowns Um, and they didn't pay ransom. 600 million was the loss in their share, it was uh, working hours, and it was uh, even though I think they had a, I don't remember. I think there was an insurance company as well stepping in. They have recovered on the share wise because they went public with it. Um, they did just like uh, Norsk Hydro, uh, Norsk uh, Norsk Hydro, uh, and they went public, and that actually made them recover the share part a lot faster than we've seen other companies do who hasn't gone public with it. Um, So when you get hit, it's not if, it's when. 
it will be very costly. And I see it more or less as a cheap insurance um, to have this prevention, actually. It's not an insurance either because my insurance for my house doesn't prevent my house from being burglared or burned to the ground or something like that. Um, so it's not, it, it, it's not comparable. It was a bad explain. Uh, that was a bad one, bad example, David. Um, but it will be super costly when the attackers get in, depending on their mission. Um, some threat actors get in, uh, steal the data, put it on the internet, and they ransom you to say that we're going to release this stuff if you're not paying us. And then they put ransomware on the servers and say, you're going to pay us again if you want your stuff back. Um, and then we have the nation state threat actors that get in and just want to steal the IP and lurk around and not try to make the much, that much uh, noise. Um, so, uh, Yeah, and that's what we call yeah. a, a, a double ransom. Like, exactly. It's like when they ransom you, like we'll leak this stuff publicly if you don't pay the ransom. And you also need to pay the ransom to like unlock the ransomware on your computers. So uh, a double, double ransom. And I think Trusek has a tech talk on this subject like next week. It's called leak, Leaksware Talk or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so That's a good one. That's, that will be interesting. Yeah. Uh, leakware. Yeah. Oops. Uh, there we go. So, um, yeah. And... Uh, and that might co like make you to go bankrupt. I mean, if you uh, if you're a uh, I don't know if you're researching COVID vaccines uh, yeah. and you're about to to make a breakthrough and you get you get hacked uh, and your stuff get gets leaked, like everyone can. That's you know I'm not in the medical in industry, but that sounds like bankruptcy incoming to me. Yeah, <laughs> in three, two, one, and so on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean every attack can end in a very bad way. Um, and um, I mean there are so many companies out there and I don't have any statistics on how many have gone under due to cyber incident attack but just look at the uh, the Finnish company the uh, um, was it a it was a firm with psychologists yeah. right yeah they it was hacked and they threatened to leak all the information about the patients online um, and these patients were were people in need. Were they people... leaked a few also. They did leak a few also, yes. Uh, and the firm actually had to uh, uh, go go bankrupt. Um, so it can happen. It can definitely happen. Yeah. Um, I think there's some, some Twitter figure who keeps track of uh, companies that went bankrupt due to uh, compromised well, stuff. Hacked, basically. I don't want to say hacked, but that's basically it. <laughs> yeah, uh, owned, hacked. I don't yeah, know. so um, I mean, there, there, there's infiltrated. There's yeah, yeah infi exactly. Infiltrated might be a good word because yeah, some people are just uh, lurking around and reading your emails and so on. Uh, Scales has a question: Would you say that you have your dream jobs right now? And is there something uh, more you would like to do in your daily work that you might not have time for? Um, yeah. I'll start with the second part first. And the short answer is, yeah, Michael just said it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, Michael and I talk every day and we work together. And there is a lot of stuff that we would like to do on a daily basis that we don't have time for right now. Um, and would I say I have my dream job? I would say yes. I would actually say yes. Uh, there isn't any other place that I would like to be right now. Um, I'm 
it feels like I'm doing good stuff every day. It feels like I'm protecting companies so they can keep their jobs, so they can keep their businesses. Um, so employees in those companies can keep their houses and yeah, continue living their lives um, as they should be doing. Um, that's what I keep telling myself every day I get up. Um, today is a good day. Today we're gonna defend some uh, some defenseless people. Um, yeah, they are good at doing their stuff. They're good at doing their production. They shouldn't be doing cybersecurity because Michael and I know cybersecurity. So let's let's do cybersecurity for them so they can do what they are good at. Um, so yes, I I think I have my dream job right now, and I get to stand here and talk to all of you, and that's that's also super cool. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dream job is uh that's a it's a tough one. That's a that's a that's a hard thing to say yes to. So pro- I, th- I, I say probably. And then, okay, my dream job is driving an F one car, but I'm 44 years old, so that's never gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next life. Um, but there's so, stuff, yeah. other stuff that I like to do. Uh, and yeah, there's. I mean, I wish I could do uh, reverse engineering. Like okay. I. Yeah. But I don't know any any reversing. I don't have any time slots where I could sort of learn that either at the moment. It's just filled with other yeah. stuff. So I wish I had time uh, to learn, like, to reverse any malware and stuff. That would be... Yeah, I want to know assembly. I want to know, like, either pro and stuff and just yeah, just reverse the shit out of things that we get in. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. I want to learn Russian. And I want to be better at attribution. I want to be better at finding out who did this. And why they did it? Um, mm. That would be cool. Russian would be cool because a lot of a lot of people uh, who are threat actors speak Russian. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. So, anywho, uh, <laughs> Ricky, wanna learn wanna learn Russian as well? Yeah, let's do it, Ricky. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, let's reverse yeah. stuff together. Yeah, yeah. I wish I had more time. That's basically. Yeah. <laughs> so that's. That's probably cool. the thing I'd say. Dream job, yeah. I mean, I like it. I think it's a mix because I like to sort of help people and uh, like work together. And the fact that I can work together with like our level ones and level two analysts yeah. is, uh, and like the incident response team and stuff is, I think that's my favorite part. Yeah. yeah to, like, so cool. to, to do stuff together. That's, yeah. that's awesome to me. Oh, <laughs> I have no what it says. It says something with Russia in the end. Uh, yeah. I have no idea. It probably says, you guys are fucking awesome. Uh, In which case, I agree. Maybe it's a, it was the first one. I don't remember. I knew this 30 years ago. I knew the Russian alphabet, but but I think it says uh, something Russia at the end. I also Uh, know Moose only knows trash talk in like FPS games. So that's (laughs) definitely something from, from, from there. (laughs) Okay. So this is, this was an insult. Okay. Yeah. It's almost guaranteed an insult because I know Moose. I know his Russian language skills <laughs> uh is it google russian or is it russian russian <laughs> i have no idea google russian okay. probably <laughs> cool yeah <laughs> all right david maybe we should start to like wrap up wrap things up we're talking for yeah, two and a half hours <laughs> it's uh by far the uh by far the longest episode yeah but when you get a shady guy like me on on yeah that's what you're gonna end, yeah, end up never with shut up i love I that don't. It's awesome. <laughs> it's perfect. But we got so many good questions. It was super reading them in the chat and just taking one by one. It was super. And then we had some other weird guy uh, who has his messages deleted by moderator. I love that. Yeah, Silica with the with the good mod. One, uh, 
hammer. The band hammer is, is, is uh, swinging tonight. That's good. And I, I mean, when we started, it was like 18 people and it's still 15 people. Two and a half hours later, still yeah. 15 people here. Uh, on a Friday night. I think that's no, amazing. Exactly. On a, um, thank, uh, seriously, I'm humbled. Thank you so much. Uh, I thought it was just going to be Michael and I because I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really well known in any way. Um, so I, I hope you've had a everyone in the chat or listening in or so I seriously hope you got something from this um, that it was just wasn't just two and a half hours of bullshitting um, uh, exactly uh, <laughs> if I had hair it would be grey uh, <laughs> so it's a, it's a pandemic we have no life now okay that's sad that's true that's, that's so bloody sad yeah okay uh, <laughs> now seriously I hope you got something out of this um, I hope it wasn't just a waste of time yeah well same here and like thanks for coming David it was it was awesome yeah it was fun it was super fun I'm gonna, I'm gonna force you to come on again, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll be back. Uh, when you, uh, if you have a show that with with a guest who doesn't show up, just give me a call and I'll be here and we'll wing something for two hours. It's awesome. Easy. Yeah. Super. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna post something in the in in the YouTube uh, description. It's from from the a Swedish uh, hacking conference called Secti. Okay. Um, I. Uh, I accidentally sat in the front row uh, when a magician slash pickpockets guy or thief was on stage. He, uh, he, he, like, he grabbed me, picked me up on stage, and then pickpocketed me in front of the camera and stage and took my phone, my wallet, and my uh, no, my 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 watch and my wallet. And you didn't notice? No, and I knew he was pickpocketed. I knew he was yeah. going to take it because that's the reason I got up there. I still didn't yeah. see it coming. Oh, so I'm gonna post that link in the uh, in, in the YouTube details, just so you yeah. know. It's, yeah, do it. Do it. It's awesome. <laughs> that would right. be fun to see. Now I'm gonna stop cool. talking. I'm gonna yeah. shut up now. So thanks, guys, for uh, for joining us. That was yeah. That was awesome. All of you. Thanks for all the good questions. Uh, yeah. Thanks for spending time with us. Yeah. See you soon. Awesome, guys. All right. See you guys. Bye. Bye. See you. Security. 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 Security.